0: You better be listening to sleazoids, or I must break you. Today was to be the biggest day of Tom Sanders' career.
1: What happened? I didn't get it. The new vice president will be Meredith Johnson. Meredith, I don't know anything
2: about this woman. I do. I had a thing with her. It's a fertility mask. The maid said he was wearing when she found me about two hours ago. People who commit these acts are, in many ways, no different from you and me. We Prince and hatchet but they are no longer able to control their urges they disassociate themselves from their own actions often experiencing a hysterical blindness they're blind to the darkness
1: within themselves
2: you can't just stop i'm
1: not gonna do this no
2: can't stop no
1: she said you sexually harassed her she harassed me
3: if that can you finish
2: what you started or you're dead do you hear
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sleazoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on and invite you to tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise, and at the end of each episode along with our honorary Sleazoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon.
0: Next week, we're going uh, theater kid mode and David Caruso mode. I don't know. Join the sleaze.
1: <laughs> we decide on all the official <laughs> ratings and rankings for every film that we cover. Patreon subscribers also get an on-air shout-out and two bonus episodes every single month, which we have been doing for coming up on our fourth year, uh, which is going to be really crazy. There's yeah. I, If there's not 100, there's almost 100 bonus episodes uh, yeah. <laughs> waiting for you. Again, patreon.com slash podcast if that interests you, as well as our uh, bonus transmission series where we talk about new release genre films and there have been some new ones coming out there's been some good ones coming out there's still some big ones left this year the matrix is a big one that we're waiting for can't wait um so, uh, yeah, patreon.com slash podcast. if any of that sounds interesting to you. And we also do have a bunch of uh, shoutouts to give this week. So, uh, we have Ian Chesky, we have James Greenan, Joey Shapiro, Jim Paddock, Aaron Crabtree, Jacob Farrell, uh, Ash, Josh, Doug McDonald, um walter Argueda ramirez uh tom snap jacob McLaughlin, nicholas burkin uh chris mitchell ophir bernstein michael weldon uh john hayes andrew mcmahon we're still going uh nice. nick metler john matraria and that's everyone so thanks so you much to uh, all time. of you folks. Yeah, I, I feel like I didn't mess up too many. Uh, I, I, I was I was confident. I'm sure I did, though. This has become the Josh mispronounces your name uh, rating round, uh, essentially. <laughs> but uh, thanks to all of you. Hope you are enjoying those bonus uh, episodes. Uh, that's the one plug for the week. The other plug, as always, is Apple Podcasts. If you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, and I can see the stats, I see that you're listening right now. Scroll down to the very bottom and give us a good old rating and review down there. It helps us climb the ranks over at iTunes and find new listeners. Um, and what's the very last plug? Uh, merch. Yes. If you guys like the poster art that local based out of Toronto horror artist Trevor Henderson did for the show, uh, you can get that basically put on anything you want. And it's, it is, uh, you know, the holiday season. It's mm-hmm. time. Time to think about that kind of stuff. If, if, if your child wants a little tiny knife, bloody knife shirt you yeah. should get it for them um, you can also get it at pillows, notebooks basically anything you can think of that link is in the description as always and also at sleazoidspodcast.com your kid will look badass I'm just saying they will look pretty cool the other kids will be impressed um, <laughs> or scared that they, we'll, yeah. and know. the teachers will have questions for what you let your child <laughs> listen to and make them watch um, especially this week um, But. sell it <laughs> That's the intro as, uh, as, as always for the week. Um, it's, it's getting big, it's getting long, but I am your host, uh, Josh Lewis, and joining me also as always is my co-host, Jamie Miller. Welcome back, everybody.
2: Welcome. I
1: think 2 weeks ago would have been the last time you guys free listeners would have heard from us and we would have had special uh, returning guest Casey on the show, also known on Twitter as Manofsky Article. And uh he was back with us talking about film noir because we were still in uh you know the the thick of noir November and you know he he's a, a big fan and he kind of pitched his double feature like a really really in advance that he wanted to be on Noir November and I think already he's pitched us another episode he wants to be on Noir November again. It's like his genre. (laughs) Um, But we did a huge monster three-hour episode on um, Night in the City from 1950, as well as Sweet Smell of Success from 1957. We were talking about two really big classics that we wanted to do justice to, um, and yeah, both were uh, uh, very great, dirty city location work populated by very dirty uh, con artists and uh, journalists. Uh, doing all kinds of gross things, so that was fun talking and breaking down with Casey two weeks ago, and that was on the main feed for anyone who hasn't listened to that one yet. You can get it on any podcast listener of choice. And then last week, for the bonus listeners, we wrapped up Noir Vember, our our month entirely of crime films, with a with a little trip over to Japan, where we talked about for the first time on the show Takeshi Kitano. We talked about one violent cop from 1989, his debut film, uh, as well as his film from 1993, Sonatine. And, uh, both are, uh, Yakuza movies that have a very unique, um, sort of, uh, formal rhythm to them, both being directed by Takeshi, um, and, uh, Sonatine in particular, very, I mean, honestly, both are pretty bleak, but Sonatine yeah. I find very, um, emotionally bleak as well, not just, uh. <laughs> Not just in terms of some of the, the the
0: very violent things
1: that those characters do to each
0: other, like especially in Violent Cop. Love um, that it also turns into a Yakuza Hangout film for like 30 straight minutes. That's For 30 minutes, you're
1: just vibing on a beach yeah. um, <laughs> uh,
0: with your boys shooting fireworks at each other. Um, <laughs> putting guns <laughs> to your head, you know, just... Russian it's roulette, rocking. you know, we
1: all do it, you know, yeah. in our spare time. <laughs> um, but that was last week's bonus episode. Again, patreon.com slash podcast. If that in, uh, episode interests you uh, at all, we, that was our November wrap-up. So now we are moving into uh, the holiday season. We're moving into December. Um, and uh, what better way <laughs> to kick <laughs> off such That's a, a bright, transition. wonderful, oh, festive good time stuff. <laughs> <laughs> then with this double feature, which I didn't know exactly what it was when it was pitched to me, but it was pitched to me as you're going to regret <laughs> saying yes. Um, but, <laughs> but to, to uh, give us some context on what we are going to be talking about uh, this week, we have a very special guest joining us for the first time. Uh, she is a self-styled uh, genre film fanatic, and she's a freelance film writer for uh places such as film school rejects and cinemascope magazine which is you know our our friend of the pod adam namen is also over there um and i knew basically you know that we were gonna have this guest on at at some point because uh she likes movies as gross as we do and uh (laughs) that is meg shields meg how you doing
3: Hello, boys.
1: I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is this going to be a lot of you apologizing, but you did good. I want to say it. Yeah. A uh, I, had a lot of I can't. I can't
3: in good conscience say thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, but Meg, welcome. Um, we thank you. we I kind of knew in advance, just kind of following you on Twitter and some of your writing, that I knew we were going to have you on at some point. But it, it definitely confirmed to me when I actually met you just p- during during TIFF time this year. Um, and, uh, you convinced me to read the Dune book, which was good. So I, I went and read it. <laughs> That's the a sincere you're welcome.
3: Yes. No, that was, that was
1: amazing. I had a great time. I couldn't put the book down. Um, yeah. and also before, uh, before we wrapped up the dinner that we were at, she wouldn't stop talking about her favorite Fulci movies. So I was like, okay, she's coming nice. on. Uh, Fulci is like the God of this show. We've talked about him probably, him and De Palma I feel like is who we probably ended up talking about the most on this show so far.
0: (laughs) I think so. But, uh,
1: but Meg, you definitely had a very specific double feature. (laughs) So do you want to (laughs) tell us what those two films are, why you paired them together and maybe, maybe a little bit of, of, of how this double feature came to be?
3: (laughs) Yeah. There, there's a whole saga as to why we're here. (laughs) Um, So, uh, the two movies we're talking about are, uh, Jade from 1995 and Disclosure from 1994, two, uh, kind of end games of the 1990s erotic thriller experiment of kind of what happens when you go too far, in my opinion, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So Jade, Jade is uh, directed by. It, it honestly, when you look at the the cast and crew behind Jade, you're like, what could go wrong? We've got you know Hurricane Billy at the director's helm. We've got uh, <laughs> Robert Evans and <laughs> Joe Esterhaus producing with Esterhaus' writing. Uh, you know mm. it's fine <laughs> and then uh, and then you get Jade And so, uh, describing the plot of Jade is like actually difficult like I've tried and I can't yeah, it. It is. Um,
1: yeah like, we're going to have to break that one I mean, down over the these, long really. course of that section
3: <laughs> but I, I don't know that breaking it down is going to help because I think it's in that <laughs> no. like, Mulholland Drive area where it's like you or, or even like the thing like John Carpenter has that great line about the thing where there's no way to like talk about who the thing is without sounding really high like, I feel like trying to explain the machinations of Jade makes you sound like, you know, you've been huffing glue all day. Um, but, like, in the loosest terms, it is about, a, uh, it's set in San Francisco, like all good, you know, noir-indebted 90s erotic thrillers are, um, and we have an assistant DA played by uh, is it David Crusoe? I can never remember if yes, that's the actor's Crusoe, name right. or the name of his CSI character because it sounds very, like the name of a CSI they're character. They're very
0: close in the movie, which I found funny. Yeah,
3: I know, his name is also David, so you can understand my confusion. And I think it's
0: Corelli in the movie. God <laughs> so, damn it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't Esther
3: help. Esther Howes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's this assistant DA and he takes charge of an investigation into some you know, big shot in San Francisco died in this horrible way. Um, and in, the investigation unpacks... Uh, this network of blackmail and sex work uh, uh, that involves the governor, and things get complicated. <laughs> Dun, I think that's the best summary I can give you. That's pretty good. No, um, that's about
1: right. Yeah. And I, then, I, have a, uh, I, I have a feeling you're going to have a harder time with disclosure, but give it a go. Oh, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> yeah, D- Disclosure
3: thing. is a cakewalk. <laughs> 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 so then we've got uh, Barry Levinson, um, you know, old hat at this genre with disclosure. Uh, which is set in Seattle because all 90s erotic thrillers must take place on the West Coast. Um, <laughs> yep. uh, and it's about a computer specialist who works in, oh, they keep calling it the computer business. <laughs> um, played by Michael Douglas. Very who Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who works for like vague tech company. I don't know what they do. I don't think they know what they do. <laughs> um, uh, run by Donald Sutherland because of course. Um, and uh, he is... Uh, sued for sexual harassment by a former lover who has become his boss. Um, And the film is about two things. Michael Douglas, uh, the case, the sexual assault case, uh, and him figuring out what political maneuvers are behind the sexual assault case. (laughs) Yes. Um, Those are the two films. And uh, the reason we're watching them has to do a bit with Josh – um, Being called uh, out already <laughs> Yeah um, So basically one of the I mean during the pandemic I, I know a lot of us have like You know whatever uh, Descended into watch groups And one of mine With you know um, Your friend and mine Adam Neiman, uh Past and future guest Anna Swanson Some other folks It kind of became 90s erotic thriller night Which we do once a week I think we've watched like Almost 80 movies or something At this point And we're awesome. talking like <laughs> jagged edge hollow man fear no way out wicked (laughs) dead again (laughs) like like we're getting in there baby (laughs) and uh every time uh it's my turn to pick i literally just google 90s erotic thriller and whatever jumps out at me whether or not i've seen it or not we watch so that's how we got jade which became notorious in our group for being the lowest of the low like the bottom of the barrel um, much to my delight, because what a treat to, to dig through the garbage. Um, uh, and then Disclosure was kind of prefaced to us by the person who nominated it as being absolute garbage, like being a complicated, sticky film, which it 100% is. However, there is so much to enjoy about that film. <laughs> like, yeah. like it is it is a genuine hoot for like reasons it did not intend <laughs> and um, So, yeah, I kind of, like, uh, I I thought that when when you came to me and said, hey, double bill, give me a double bill, I was like, okay, well, we've been watching all these 90s erotic thrillers. That's definitely, like, a a disgusting genre space that would be relatively easy to find a double bill. These two films feel especially in conversation with one another with respect to, like, the really bizarre gender politics of 90s erotic thrillers. Like, that would be funny, but, like, who in their right mind would watch that double bill? So, um, (laughs) yeah. So I kind of tabled that and then was like, oh, what's another double bill? And I I love snowy westerns. Like, that's, I I love it. It's the best. So I was like, okay, another double bill option would be something like Track of the Cat and Cutthroat's Nine, going back to Fulci. And I was like, okay, like, how do I force Josh's hand? Because I don't want to pick. So I sent him two Getty stock images one of a man at a desk and one of a snowy cabin. And I said, choose. And Josh, in his infinite wisdom, chose the man at the desk. Yes. And that's why we're here. <laughs> so it's his fault, yes. it's not mine. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so it is partially my fault. I did uh, was given those two options. <laughs> yeah, I was like, do you want to the
3: Dillick snowy cabin or like man with bulky white sweater at desk? And you were like, uh, desk, please.
1: <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I just nice really sweater. liked the sweater. It yep. was a great sweater. <laughs> oh, it is. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and you know what? I am a fan of those really shitty 90s computer monitors that were like the size oh, of boy. televisions, like the size of the television that he has in heat that he like, th- which, you know, like yes. throws out of his car. It's a great aesthetic <laughs> <Yes>. for
0: sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I, I definitely picked the vibe. Um, and I'm I'm excited to get into it because, uh, I think because Jamie and I are so desensitized to this kind of stuff, I think we might've even ended up liking these movies more than you did. I mean, mean, like the
3: the thing is I'm entering into like year two and a half of watching one 90s erotic thriller every week. Like I,
0: you're an expert. uh,
3: I have been around the block and yet Jaden disclosure still.
0: Are, stick you know, with you the cream
3: rises to the top? <laughs>
0: like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, yeah. We're we've done the the uh, '90s erotic thriller we're kind of loosely before. I think I think the you with know, the, the one time. Yeah, we did um, with um, the patron with Nick,
3: saint of the genre for sure.
1: With with, yeah. with Nick Youcen, we did um, Nicole Kidman to Die For and A Perfect oh, yeah. Murder, which also had uh, Douglas. And then we've obviously covered Basic Instinct before, right. and it was good prep. I'm I'm excited to see because a lot of these movies, it seems like they came out kind of in the wake of how popular Basic Instinct was. Can
3: I can I have a? a I always get Fatal Attraction and Basic Instinct mixed up, but it, it, Basic Instinct is the Verhoeven, right?
1: Verhoeven, Um, yeah.
3: Okay, so there's this, I'm sorry for this tangent, but I'm not. Um, There's a (laughs) a shot in Basic Instinct that I think sums up why Michael Douglas is a movie star. And it is the shot where he's just, um, like, had rough, pretty non-consensual sex with his therapist because Verhoeven slash Michael Douglas. And he's, like, on the floor, ass cheeks to carpet, and she's just left. And he does, like, in one seesaw rocking motion, he gets his pants on and stands up. And it's like it's yes. it's not Incredible a foreign, it's not a foreign action to him. He's done this before. This is a man who's like been butt-naked on the ground many times. Like this is just par for the course. And I think this is why Michael Douglas is a movie star is because he's, like, an absolute dirtbag, and even at his scuzziest, like, rocking his pants back on, you're still like, oh, man, <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, he's kind of too dumb to be menacing. <laughs> like, it's incredible. So anyway, I think that that is his thesis statement as an actor, is that moment in Basic Instinct where he seesaws he his pants back on. <laughs>
1: That's a great thing. Yeah. 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 No, we, yeah, we we really loved uh, Basic Instinct, and it was cool to see that one of these films was also written by the same guy who wrote Basic Instinct. Oh, yes. Um, oh, yes. But we are, <laughs> are going to tackle these um, chronologically, I think, which is what we typically try to do um, on the show. So we are going to start off here with Disclosure. We pushed
0: him too hard. He has nothing to lose. Well, he hasn't told his wife yet. How
1: could you let that woman into office? Between me and my wife, take my job and make a family
2: in the house that we have made. This is a bomb we're sitting on that can
3: blow
1: everything sky high. The thought of losing millions of dollars happens to get stuck right here. Of Sanders, you have no
2: idea what
1: you're up against. As usual, we'll see. All right, we are talking disclosure the 1994 American erotic thriller film directed by Barry Levinson and starring Michael Douglas and Demi Moore. It's also based on a novel of the same name by Michael Creighton. Um, which I was kind of shocked to, to see his name because I don't think, you know, I've, I've read a couple novels, I've seen a couple adaptations, uh, you know, primarily, you know, things like Jurassic Park and things like Westworld. And I was like, is that, the, that, that Michael Creton? And it, I, I looked it up, it was that Michael Creton. <laughs> I didn't even know um, that
0: until now. Yeah, <laughs> so and
1: we're gonna, it's going to be a very interesting um, process to kind of see because I, I do think that this might be Michael Creton auteurism um yeah. because, he, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because he uh also produced the film and he was given the, <laughs> the power on who he wanted to direct the film he right. fired yeah. and i read this he fired milos my, foreman off this film, the director of amadeus
0: <laughs> that's insane right oh
1: my um, god they, he he Good. even also at one point flirted with getting um, Alan Pakula, oh, <laughs> uh, the director of All the President's Men, and Clute uh, on this, which I think you know would have been a, a pretty tense and maybe a genuinely interesting thorny movie about kind of like the office politics of its stuff, especially just the way that uh, he shoots his films. And ultimately, Cretan landed on Barry Levinson. And this is the thing that kind of like threw... You know, threw me off a little bit, especially when I was first, when I was like a Barry Levinson film. Like, And I looked at him, I was like, what are the other Barry Levinson films that I've <laughs> seen? And it was like The Natural with Robert Redford and like Good Morning Vietnam with Robin Williams and like Rain Man with Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise, which he won Best Director for. And I was kind of like, this is the guy that they want to do like a Verhoeven style movie you know, like at, at best, I found his movies like kind of pretty workmanlike and mediocre. It makes sense that he went on to win an Oscar for like a crappy drama and then went on to basically just become uh, a HBO TV movie director for every crappy biopic that they can't find for someone to direct. <laughs> and I'll, so that's what Barry Levinson's up to now, as well as giving his son, Sam, um, a career at HBO, um, who's doing that Euphoria show. And uh, whatever that Malcolm and Marie movie that I didn't watch—that's his son. Uh, I don't I didn't know if like you knew that, Jamie. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't particularly like that. No, and, and Barry to me is kind of in like a similar view where you know at at one point in the '80s he was kind of known as like a you know a, a, a very prestige drama comedy kind of filmmaker on a certain level. So jumping into this where I was like, okay, you got Michael Cretan, you got you know Michael Douglas in a '90s erotic thriller, and then. Barry Levinson behind the camera, and I, I, I think that this <laughs> ended up kind of like ruining a good portion of the film for me. Was just that it was directed by Levinson and not like one of ten other people who would have made more sense to me. But I will say that this movie is batshit. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, no, it's, and it's funny it's because terrible. of it. I, I haven't read the novel, but I'm going to assume on this has to be faithful because Creighton was literally firing filmmakers over creative differences. So it sounds like when he landed on Levinson, Levinson was boring enough that he would be like, yeah, okay, I'll just make the movie you want me to make.
0: There was even um, a reviewer I read that said uh, he found that the film was actually less problematic and less offensive than the book. So I... I I really um, want to know what's in the book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Cretan, Cretan was on one, and in an interview, he essentially said that he he designed when he was approaching the novel that he 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 wanted this very angry gender swapped provocation of a novel, mm-hmm. and you can feel that um, in the film. Uh, in, in some ways, in interesting ways; some ways, in kind of boring ways. Um, and. You know, because we should get into like the the basic premise, <laughs> yeah. which is which is, which is literally, Who wants literally to touch about, it. <laughs> Yeah, that's just it. Who wants to do it? Who wants to be the one to say it? But like literally, this is what if a woman sexually assaulted a man? Wouldn't which that isn't
3: which isn't wouldn't funny. That be like crazy? that's not funny. It's just the film's like approach to like wouldn't it be. Like, is this what feminism is? Like, is this yeah. is
0: it this crazy? It's there's even so a character that outright <laughs> says, like, uh, a wo- who's ever heard of a woman harassing a man? Like, outright <laughs> yeah. says it. Like, it's just <laughs> yeah. this shocking thing. It's it's and there's like a lot of uh, moments like that. And I think that's where I ended up kind of liking the movie just because of all of its whether it's intentional or not, probably unintentional. How funny it ended up being to me. Um, those moments just, just kind of escalated it for me. It was like diving into the... Well, I thought it was just like this... Uh, the brain of just some like wealthy business guy that made a novel <laughs> or something like that. I'm, sh- I'm shocked to hear it, it was the dude from Jurassic Park like, and all that.
3: Yeah, no, it's, it's like, what if you entered the mind of a wealthy CEO whose argument for not promoting women is that, whatever, that they would succumb to exactly the same vices as other corrupt men. Right. Like it's, it's that, it's that gender kind of that understanding of gender as being, uh, and sexuality as being one-to-one, but right? It's like, well, if you promote an ambitious woman, she's going to do the same thing as a man, which means, you know, sexually exploiting her employees, <laughs> like, like <laughs> which isn't funny, but the, the film's kind of the straight faceness with which the film kind of attempts to be big brained about all that is, right. Yeah. It's just, like, comical. Yeah. Or, like, yeah, that, that, the fact that, that was one- do- every four seconds Donald Sutherland is like, that glass ceiling, eh? And, like, their office is made out of glass. And you can just
2: tell
0: <laughs> that, like, Barry
3: Levinson is like, I'm the smartest man. Yeah. <laughs> like, the one, it's the
2: just, one, like, it's so funny.
0: The one thing I did like about, uh, like, yeah, that that metaphor is just so ridiculous and on the nose. But the one thing I did like <laughs> about the, uh, just the look of it was that the fact that all of the offices were, like, transparent. I thought that that was kind kind of cool, just in the sense of um, how it made the building look and the set look. And I also kind of like the idea of when anyone was fighting or arguing in those spaces, you couldn't hear them. But if you wanted to, you could kind of look across the hall and see two people arguing but not know what they're fighting about. They they never really implement too much, um, too many. Uh, interesting ideas when it comes to that but i like no the i was I to actually
1: have some like rear window shit out of that but like it didn't yeah. end up kind of coming into play it just seemed right. like it was more of a you know uh a production design choice but yeah i'll, I'll agree it's a, it's a decent little production design choice it, like yeah. the, the fact that it's like all glass um walls with like kind of like that old school kind of like red brick uh as as well that they have mm-hmm. there um mm-hmm. I, it's I, I very like
3: remember. like what i mean it's uh, sorry, I just triggered Siri. She wants in on this conversation. Uh, which is kind of an, uh, kind of appropriate for what I was about to say, which is that it like it's 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 kind of a proto tech bro open concept office. Like they exactly. just need yeah. Yeah. they just need like a ball pit, and I don't know what's in tech bro offices, like dogs. <laughs> like I don't
0: know. <laughs> they did need a couple more of those like uh, little basketball nets that they toss yeah. at the door. Yeah. A couple more of those, but yeah, they needed to sure. go with Wall Street mode a
1: little bit too in there and just start uh, full debauchery uh, <laughs> around the office where yeah. everyone can see in full vision. <laughs> no, that was ultimately what I kind of found funny about the movie was that it. it was a movie that, by Cretan's like own admission, was trying very, very hard to provoke and make you yes. think. Right. You know, yeah. um, and <laughs> but all the, the, it has
3: to say is women bad too sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it was, it, and, and yeah, so like some of those provocations I found to just be like you know the uh, kind of dull about the workplace politics and you know the politics of sexual assault and everything like that. Um, but they are they also are strangely like dull when it comes to because of that they can't make they can't like dirty Michael Douglas up like when 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 this movie opened and I kind of was immediately like oh we might be in for a little bit of trouble because it's like a a version of like perfect Seattle domesticity where Mm -hmm. he's on he's going into work he's getting a promotion that day but what's he doing he's staying home with his wife to help get the kids to school and they're carpooling (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and I was and I, and I was sitting here going you know this this is very warm it's very broad it's very you know there, there's a little bit of sleek camera work here and there but for the most part like Levinson is tackling this like he would one of his very traditional sort of broad dramedies mm-hmm. that he kind of likes to make and it, it, as soon as that kind of happened I was like okay either this image of him needs to get completely shattered at some point in the film which it doesn't. Or like, I don't really understand how this is meant to be like particularly um, interesting or provocative. <laughs> but by the time he gets to the office, he, he is um, upset to learn that he actually isn't getting the promotion. There's two things he's upset about. He's not getting the promotion at work. Um, and it, one, that's upsetting, but also it's going to a woman and it's going to a woman who he's had a relationship with f- before, played by Demi Moore, named Meredith Johnson. She's introduced in one of the few like interesting shots in the movie that both of these movies do, <laughs> which <laughs> is she's introduced entirely by just her heels in the frame yep. <laughs> as he's walking into the office. <laughs> I think that Jade gets the heel shot uh, uh, King moment uh, compared to this one, but it's a decent little you know way to introduce how he kind of feels about her, and yeah. um, so he, he he's upset obviously that this woman that he's had a relationship with is getting the promotion over him, um, and also there's sort of little tiny details kind of sprinkled throughout that there's something going wrong at his computer company where from what I could glean, but I don't you know, I'm not into computers. And like, I, from what I understand, computer people were like, what the fuck? You're is not hip to the movie? computer business. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and, but they, there was something going wrong in the production <laughs> of CD ROM drives. But yeah, also, but they're also they are AI developing AI. <laughs> VR software at this company. Like they're doing
0: both of those things. Um, yeah, and the this virtual is the,
3: reality- the Meta future that Mark Zuckerberg wants. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, <laughs> I working actually, on Meta.
0: <laughs> I put that in notes. I'm like, this presentation that they're giving with the virtual reality space is exactly what Zuckerberg yeah, just, just gave, <laughs> which <laughs> yes. I thought was very funny. Um, yeah. They they were like they were like this VR will give us freedom
1: from the physical body, yeah. from the race, <laughs> from gender. Oh, from place shit. and time, we will relate to each other via pure consciousness. This is like the pitch <laughs> that they're giving on this VR technology that they're that they're developing.
3: They also so, bury um, that lead. Like I think, I think the camera like pans away from Demi Moore while she's saying that and like fades her out. And I'm like, wait a minute, He's like you can't, <laughs> <laughs> Michael. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I, I love that there's one conversation he has because he takes the ferry to work as part of his commute. And there's this great moment where he's like on the phone with a guy who's just been like he's been fired. And the way that he describes it, he's been he's been sodomized by IBM <laughs> <laughs> Um <laughs> and uh, he, 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 he talks very loudly in very vulgar language until Michael Douglas gives him his business card. And I thought it was so funny. He's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'll get you a job or something, you know, whatever. This guy who's just talking very vulgar. And there's a line that the guy says that I thought was just very indicative of the entire movie, which is, you know, girls used to be fun to have around the office, but now they want your job.
3: <laughs> yes. Well, and the, the film, that's a good, I'm glad this also lets us talk about this kind of chip on its shoulder the film has where it's like, and I mean this this is obviously still around but it's like man like you can't even flirt with women anymore <laughs> like,
2: right. like,
3: like the, the film also has that kind of you know whatever not uh, uh, not in something I, I don't know what it is but that that kind of um anger that you know uh, you know the Workplace relations have been complicated by you know not sexually assaulting each other, <laughs> like or whatever, and, and just this kind of like ginger trepidation that some people feel like they have to have around uh, people they're pursuing romantically, which is like yeah, I mean, insane.
1: There's, a, there's <laughs> like, a great line that they put into the mouth of uh, Demi Moore where she basically says, you know, like if we if if we had to talk about sex here like how we do in like a corporate office like the way that we are forced to talk about it now we would need like a, like a UN supervisor here to like mediate yeah. or something like that to talk of the way that men and women have to talk to each other now and like you yeah, know it's, it's, it's a which, movie that is definitely filled with resentment over sort yes. of you know progressive yes. attitudes to the way that men should treat women in the workplace and then
3: the most progressive idea it has is what if a woman assaulted a man which is neither progressive nor <laughs> (laughs) interesting (laughs) but but like funny because it thinks that it's doing something you know well and, and, and here,
1: here's the thing if the movie got like on that level and it really by the end like ugly that stuff up I might have been a little bit more intrigued by it but the fact that it was just kind of so cynically used and ends up kind of being like a strange like distraction like a red herring the sex assault yeah. stuff being like a red herring for the movie honestly was, the most
3: insulting part
1: of the film <laughs> that was what kind of threw through me off was just that you know because this is kind of a long movie this is like two hours and yeah, it's two hours minutes. long. Yeah, two like like hours and eight minutes? Yeah. It's, Which it's, after it's, the
3: it's... speed of Jade at
0: 90
1: is like... Yeah. Um, gotta say, for sure. Um, but uh, Jamie, what were you going to say? You sounded like you wanted to jump in there.
0: Oh, I was just going to say they also uh, make her, um, the way that she sees her sexuality, as like, uh, there's a line where she says something like, You're, "It's I'm paraphrasing, but it's something like, they are threatened by a sexually dominant woman. Um, And she uses that in the middle of the uh, I think that's when they actually reveal the tape because it ends up that he taped them accidentally by calling like the wrong number and then leaving a voicemail accidentally, which we'll get (laughs) to because it's so convoluted and crazy. Uh, What
3: are you talking about? It's totally
0: normal. Yeah, I do it all the time. (laughs) Um and so Meredith in that part where they expose her I guess in a sense and it, it everyone see- sees that it was uh more aggressive on her side she starts to use that as like a weapon as if uh, uh a sexually dominant woman um would she would she would use it as a means boys to, just can't handle how liberated she is yeah right um, right I mean, yeah and they also at the uh, beginning they imply that she actually doesn't know anything about the the technology and that she got this job through sleeping with Donald Sutherland i think it was or something along those lines so yeah, they, they, there's they, they, a bunch they, of that that's talk what they try to more. like
1: guess their way to that she doesn't know like she doesn't know the ins and outs of the product so why and would eventually she be that's kind of like
0: vp to be the truth which uh, like that's where all the problem shit comes from this movie, I understand. I think the reason I, I still still kinda like it is just because of all the uh, the, the the ridiculous uh, "Quote unquote" oh, yeah. big brain moments that they try to do. There with are all these there are some like, crazy moments twists and turns with the My political absolute... conspiracy and, or, or the the <laughs> office conspiracy and stuff. It's just so stupid, but because it's so stupid, I had a great time in a way, and uh, I kind of viewed this as like a comedy more so at, at a certain point. And once that engaged, I was just having a really fun time. So, I do think the
3: best example of like something that on paper you're like, oh, that's quite serious, like. I wonder how the film's gonna like reckon with that is right. when Michael Douglas has a stress dream about Donald Sutherland sexually assaulting him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How, however,
1: that the POV shot the film, of Donald Sutherland's mouth about to like just absorb the lens. <laughs> the way that the film Cinema.
3: approaches depicting this is having Donald Sutherland lean in to smooch the camera, and like. It's just not the right way to do that at all <laughs> like it's it gets a laugh instead of you know whatever the horror it, of the film is expecting to get, and I just don't think that like laughing at you know sexual assault victim Michael Douglas is actually like you know. Like that would that we're not supposed to. It's like definitely not the intent. <laughs> absolutely the victim. Like
0: <laughs> they even have like that three sixty spin camera pan, like the zoom out uh, of Douglas waking up and screaming to the dream, as if it's like <laughs> yeah. a, a terrible nightmare. And uh, yeah, I gotta say, I, I I found it hilarious. Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah, and like I mean, in an ideal world, that sort of stress stream would, you know, be presented as the nightmare that it is. Right,
0: but, right, right. <laughs>
3: but this film can't do it, so Ugh.
1: we're left confused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we we should get into the sort of early bit, like what yeah. what the, yeah. the sort of inciting incident of this film, which is you know. Uh, to Levinson's credit, probably the thing that has the most like sort of like surface level on screen kind of, you know, shock moment to it, which is, you know, if there's anything in this that they intended to provoke with and that maybe, you know, is, is a tiny bit effective is this idea of having, um, uh, Demi Moore who is playing Meredith Johnson, who's just gotten the promotion. Um, And obviously we've already been over that, you know, Michael Douglas, he's he's not very happy about this, but, you know, he's, you know, he's still a stockholder with the company. He's still the head of manufacturing. He's still in a good position. You know, he's going to stay with the company. He's, you know, he's, he's, he knows his computers and he can't do anything else, (laughs) but, Demi Moore uh, says that they are going to have like a you know a late night work meeting to kind of go over some of the concerns. Yeah, he over, has a, bottle with, of
3: wine. over with? a bottle of wine.
1: What could go Over a bottle of wine with uh to to talk about some of the issues with the uh production line that they are having on the cd-roms that somehow deliver this vr product is what i'm guessing um it doesn't really matter honestly by the end um other than you know you know that she is you know that there is a sort of larger sort of techno conspiracy in the background which the movie forgets about for like an hour and a half but she brings him um into her office um and <laughs> there's a little bit of buildup to it with like his employees talking about how attractive she is. Hearing Dennis Miller they boner say that, her a like, lot. he says boner a lot, but then he also <laughs> says her nipples are as hard as pencil erasers or something. Yeah, I think that's the line that he gets. And I was, and I was just kind of like that, that a character specifically, specifically
0: for Dennis, apparently. To make it more like more (laughs) dentist, basically.
3: Brighton knows what nipples look like, maybe.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, but they're 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 talking about getting boners. He meets up with her after hours to catch up over the wine, maybe discuss the issue. He gets an email uh, that reads, "Is your cock hard now?" Which is a great (laughs) '90s moment. With just like horrible software, email software, where he has yeah. to like move his mouse around so much to just like get that message off of his computer in his open office. <laughs> um, but he gets up there with Demi Moore, and she pours the wine. And it's like this, you know, it's this really hard to find wine that you know, and he's something of a connoisseur. And you know, he he for some reason is getting no vibes off of this, even though she's saying things like, "I like all the boys under me to be happy."
0: Yeah, she's clearly <laughs> hitting on him. And he's just like, nope, yep, this is just business as usual for sure. And
1: it, and she's like, wow, isn't, isn't, uh, she, he shows pictures of her like family and, and his wife and his kids. And he says, well, you know, she seems like she keeps the, uh, the fridge stocked. But I, pay, I bet you can't just like bend her over and take her anytime you wanted to, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> she's saying things like, wild. uh, yeah, how how hard and nice uh, he looks, <laughs> and and he's just going, you know, well, you you know, you're my boss now, you know, this is kind of inappropriate, this is kind of different, and then she literally, Demi Moore literally forces herself on him while Michael Douglas is like screaming, no, she's straight up assaulting him, he says and it, it thirty one yeah, times, zero
3: zero ambiguity, <laughs>
1: yeah, no, no. She's saying things like "lie back and let me be the boss," and she's getting a little angry at at, at one point. And you know, <laughs> some of the 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 the, <laughs> the imagery is like, uh, you know, meant to be sort of like you know th- those definitely. It, it, it's it's a weird thing because he shoots it like it is meant to be like a sex scene and that Douglas is more into it than he is but it just straight up is like an assault sequence which which yeah. kind of complicates that a little bit with the way that they you know chose to uh, go about shooting it because after the way that they shot this where it was like genuinely trying to be kind of uh, hot in a way um I was like, <laughs> Are they going to come back to this? Is Was he going to be like partial? Are they going to try and complicate it by having him be like partially into it and being like a co-conspirator? Go like basic instinct mode, you know, where Verhoeven walks that line very ambiguously um, with the way that he kind of shoots that. Um, oh, and you mean material. just that
0: Douglas in this is the the outright good guy the whole time and it never questions Qu- that. That's kind, kind of, of yeah. well. well and, Which is and a also, complete
3: misuse of Michael Douglas, <laughs> at least in the audience.
0: They, they do do the whole thing where they make him like when he gets angry and frustrated and says, oh, OK, so you want me to fuck you? That whole thing. They do use right. that as as a as a uh, kind of a defense for him. Uh, yeah, but, see, that, that's what I once
1: that happened, I was kind of expecting a little bit more of that more to come of up that, in yeah. the film at some point for sure. Um, 'Cause yeah, he he ends up at, at a certain point getting so angry with the way that he is being kind of overwhelmed and overpowered. And I guess that's that's what I mean with the sort of the the surface shock, the visual shock of Demi Moore overpowering Michael Douglas on screen. That's just something that, you know, you know, realistically something that you're not used to seeing, uh, especially yeah. in the kind of movies that Michael D- Douglas was in around this time. Um, but then they kind of have him, you know, angrily respond to that and kind of, you know, try to get into it a little bit. Um, and then, you know, he kind of realizes what he's doing and he's, sees he's his done. reflection. He sees us on reflection. Like, like, what have yeah. I become? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we can't do this. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and 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 any storms out while she's like uh, screaming about what you stick your dick in my mouth and then you get an attack of morality. Right. Really? <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, I have a family now, and they're like, the well, family made you stupid. <laughs> it's it's very pointed, it's and very then he angry just
0: runs of out of the office, and she runs after him uh, in front of like the cleaning lady, and is just yelling like, "I will destroy you! I will destroy you!" Yeah, she's like, "I will I will
1: kill you!" While she's chasing him out of the office in her bra, and the right. second this moment happened, I had to find out. I had to find <laughs> out what. The horniest critic of all time had to say about this movie when it came out, Roger Ebert, oh, yeah. and I kid you not, I, I I watched that scene, I paused the movie, and I said, okay, what did Roger Ebert write about this? He he had to have included something about this, the way that Demi Moore is like chasing him with like her shirt exposed and everything, and I, <laughs> this is the first line of his review, disclosure contains an inspiringly terrific shot no! of Demi of Demi Moore's cleavage in a wonder bra. <laughs>
0: Roger. The very first
1: sentence in his review. I kid you not. That is the first (laughs) sentence. Oh my God.
0: Oh my God. That's so funny,
1: and I, and, I, and I mean, she she is straight up uh, chasing him down, and once again, it is sort of like a surface level shock to watch this like half dressed woman like threatening and screaming at Michael Douglas and literally like hounding him out of the office. Like it's it's definitely you know if there's anything remotely subversive about the film, that's maybe like one of the few moments that it actually gets. Yeah, especially too with Douglas telling her to fuck her champagne bottles or whatever he says. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was such a funny line. Oh my gosh! Um, but th- this sets the entire movie sort of in motion because he, you know, he, so, he's just been assaulted. He goes home and he showers. He's trying to, you know, cover the scar with a towel that he just got from her scratching him. And his wife kind of notices that he's wearing, like, the you know, the a t shirt to bed, which he doesn't usually do. And then the next day, he finds out that you know, he wasn't going to say anything about it, but he finds out that she has actually accused him of being, uh, of assaulting her and of being the aggressor. And yeah. And, and, this is and where also you get she, all the
0: classic lines of all the men going like, that doesn't happen. Like, what are you talking that literally about? Literally doesn't exist. Yeah. What the fuck? Like uh, <laughs> it's, it's something else. But
1: anyway, continue. um, and so she sort of manipulated The office politics of everyone to be like He has actually sort of assaulted me And I did find it interesting In some of the more uh, qualities Where they kind of immediately go Okay look you assaulted her we're going to cover it up. Your family's not going to learn about it. We're going to move you, <laughs> make a lateral move for you. I was like, damn, they are very chill with the idea that he <laughs> right. assaulted her uh, if if you know, they actually believe that. But obviously, we get into the conspiracy stuff. It's not never really certain that anyone actually believed her, except for maybe some of the people who heard it through sort of osmosis, through the rumors and whatnot. Um, but also, not only is she sort of trying to ruin him on a sort of personal front, she's also manipulating him to, you know, make it look like he is responsible for all of the issues at the company, like the way that during, b- before the sex scene gets started and she uh, is asking him to like give her a massage and everything I was like, Douglas, come on man, what are you getting into? You know you know what's going on <laughs> <Yeah>. here <laughs> um, she, she kind of plays him into you know, uh, looking very bad the next day at a business meeting She even calls his wife and tells him lies about the meeting being moved to a time that it was and actually, yeah, I makes him late for work. He's, she's just trying and then to make him it. He blames the really wife. Like, doesn't business Douglas level? like
3: show up late and he's like, You gave my wife the wrong time? And she's like, No, your wife sucks at like taking <laughs> yeah. memos. <laughs> yeah, it's like your wife
1: can't even take a goddamn message. Don't blame that on me or whatever. Yeah, yeah what the hell? <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, so, so all of a sudden we're dealing with, and there's one third thing we got to throw in here his his company is also merging with another company. Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, there's
3: when, the, you, when you lay everything out, this film is very complicated it is oh, it, it is. actually
1: is kind of convoluted at a certain point where there, there's so many well, I mean, things piling around him he's dealing with sort of like faulty tech in the business he's dealing with this possible sex scandal that he's a part of and how it could ruin this already kind of precarious merger that their company is you know undertaking that's gonna make Donald Sutherland the boss um, you know I think it's, they say it's like a hundred million dollars a hundred million dollar mm-hmm. deal for him yeah. for this I do love to that to Donald through.
3: Sutherland's only character Trait is like he loves how rich he is. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, 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 literally, all of his lines are just like about how rich his business makes him. It's great. Like, I think he understood the assignment. He's having a good time.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. Definitely um, enjoy uh, Sutherland. He gets one of my favorite lines, which is um, when he eventually gets the lawyer and he questions the. He's you know he he entertains the idea of suing the company. Donald Sutherland is like very very upset. Where he was just like, "How is this possible? I thought the justice system was like supposed to protect men like me." You know, not (laughs) he's he's lying. He's something like I think like Sutherland is absolutely
3: playing it like a comedy. Which is yeah. so dissonant with the like the very heavy you know quagmires that this film wants to wade into, and yeah. it's it's such like it's so hard to actually divine what the film is trying to say because tonally it is all over the place and it doesn't like come to any sort of tonal cohesion to like actually make anything resembling a point.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> right. It's just
3: all, like everyone is in a different movie.
1: Yeah, well, and 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 what's kind of odd to me is that at this sort of like middle chapter of of the film, the majority of it is Douglas going to a lawyer. He's going to a woman lawyer who he can be like, "Look, I've been assaulted, and you need to take this case because um, it's a crazy case of a, a woman in power <laughs> look, assaulting a man in power." This <laughs> yeah, um, and and she even at one point says like, well, "You know, look, she had the power, you didn't." So. You See this something. is I think this way is I think
3: like what we mean by like the film thinking it's doing something like it's saying uh, these things like it's reinventing the wheel or like it's right. li- it's right. like well you know she's your boss so it's assault wink wink like mm-hmm. this is our big point point. and it's like well yeah
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> like, like yeah if, 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 I don't like think like I think not. I think everyone <laughs> would agree that someone in a position of power assaulting someone who has it's less so, power is honestly
3: <laughs> kind of embarrassing that Michael Crichton is like. Presenting this idea like it's like really big or subversive where it's like well, no one's ever a, thought of if it if a woman was in power and you know assaulted a man under her it would be assault
2: and we're like yeah
0: they also have all these back and forths where they're basically having like the same arguments that you that you see on like talking head twitter back and forths where they're like <laughs> Eighty percent of men commit suicide. Yeah, well, that's just because right. they can't handle life as well as women. Yeah, well, they, you know, they go to war more. Yeah, well, men create all the wars. Like they just have these yeah. back and forth <laughs> bullshit is, this arguments. This is deep thought, to yeah. Michael Creighton. And 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 that it, and the film does play it as if it, it is like really big brain philosophical ideas. And yeah, once again, I find entertaining in that, but it is stupid. Let me be clear. <laughs>
1: No,
3: no, no! It's incredibly dumb, which is why it's
1: watchable.
0: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And
1: and do you know what? There, there is one interesting element in this film that I, I did think because when he goes to the lawyer and Michael Douglas has to deal, he he goes in being like, well, you know, can I sue? Like, what are my options? Like, what can I do? And she immediately looks at him and she treats him like she would she would treat any victim of assault the same way that you know, as we see in the justice system all the time, how it fails victims of assault. She literally says, you know, like this is going to be difficult. She's in a position of power. Uh, you will probably never work in your industry again. You will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and you probably won't be able to prove it. Um, and you know, you're going to blow up your life. You're going to blow up your work. You're going to just by, you know, accusing her. That's what he's going to do. He's put in the same position as a female <laughs> assault victim, which, you know, yeah. as ridiculous, uh, as that is in conception in the first place. Um, it was intriguing to me. And I was kind of like having to watch the Douglas character have to make those decisions. But what was crazy to me was how just kind of cartoonishly, uh, simple everything was after that. Like he, he doesn't blow up his life. He has the most understanding wife in the yeah. history <laughs> of female characters written for the screen. I will say who's that, also yeah. a lawyer, um, who backs him on every basically choice that he makes. And through every detail, she doesn't get upset. um, and so he, and, and by the end of the film, he uh, completely has his work life back and everything. So by actually pursuing justice for his assault, not only does he prove that he was right, but none of the things, the bad things that are supposed to stick with you, even if you are right, actually stuck with him. Yeah, I, think <laughs> I was I, like,
3: it's like the film actually makes a cogent like point about the consequences of coming forward as a sexual assault victim, and then it's like. Yeah, but Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas does not suffer things. any of them,
1: of course, though, obviously, which which, yeah, I, w- yeah. which I was just blown away by because I was like, man, that could have been a more interesting film just yeah, on, it, on its face was just Michael Douglas either dirtying him up and getting him more involved or making it more difficult of a journey um, through this section where he's, you know, he's threatening to sue, but then they're, you know, trying to expose it to his wife and then his wife actually is kind of there to help him and back him up. It ends up going to it turns into like a quasi courtroom drama. For a little while, where they're just doing a Hallmark like, corporate of 90s thrillers. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
0: they're doing like just mediation after mediation, basically.
1: Yeah, well. <laughs> And Michael Douglas gets some really hilarious rants that are just straight out of Michael Cretan's <laughs> mouth, like when he goes home. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're talking about how these sleazy rumors are, you know, going to affect his job. And his wife even tells him, you know, she's like, I've had people assault me at work. Why don't you just suck it up? Stop making it a federal case or whatever. And he's like, <laughs> I'll do it. I'll be the evil white man. I have an urge to dominate. Where's my maid? <laughs> <And> he's <laughs> saying shit like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh and like man. that that stuff Great is stuff. just so ridiculous it's so ridiculous oh yeah. that's the kind of stuff that's the so most... ridiculous i almost enjoyed and i would have enjoyed it more i think if it like stuck with the sort of uh you know erotic thriller assault angle but the thing that blew me away and i kind of already mentioned it is that we do a little bit of this courtroom drama for a while and as jamie already mentioned it's basically all Solved in like, like five minutes. Yes. <laughs> where 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 he finds out he placed a call to someone. At he basically butt
3: dialed <laughs> someone while he was being sexually assaulted.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it happened to be a colleague that he could have access to the voicemail of. So that's good. That's lucky. Yep. Yeah.
3: They just meet at the beach. He gets the tape. Case closed.
0: Yeah. But
3: that's not yeah. enough for Mikey Dougie. But he, see, I don't know. If, revenge. I can't remember.
0: I don't think this necessarily solves it for him because this isn't this when she twists that tape and says like, actually he just couldn't handle like a, like a dominant woman of some kind. And he actually did want it. It's clearly consensual because her lawyer even says once the tape is, has been played for everybody, the lawyer even says something like, I think that clearly says that it was consensual sex. And so it does Mm -hmm. kind of further complicate things a little. It doesn't lead to anything interesting. I will grant you that. Uh, well, I, I, I would just say it, it's a solution to his
1: problem, which is sure, the sure, uh, yeah. false accusation that she makes. Because oh, now the it's initial, that it wasn't
0: actually. I got you what you're saying, for sure, for sure.
1: Yeah, because I was going to say that that scene literally ends with him wooing and fist bumping. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's, he's fucking does stoked. Because <laughs> <fist bump?
3: laughs> like, I think at the end of that, like after that mediation period, they've come to a settlement of some kind. And it's like right. not what Michael Douglas wants because he wants... Expose. He, he he suspects, he's got his Michael Douglas senses and he suspects there's a conspiracy <laughs> happening.
0: Yeah. He's yeah, like, I'm, this is
3: no ordinary workplace assault. Right,
0: Michael they Douglas even have. A movie
3: in the 90s.
0: They even have that line because after he does like the fist pump and the, the champagne or whatever, they even have a little uh, shot where Demi goes into the, the elevator and says like, I feel sorry for him. He doesn't even know it's coming. So that's the start of the whole, you know, techno politics that are behind the scenes. And it was never just about the sexual assault case. It was something deeper, I guess, somehow. See, that,
1: that was what that was what ultimately kind of threw me off because like oh, it me, threw me off again yeah. through the, you know, if we're looking at this as like it was going to be sort of like the compared it to the sort of 90s erotic thrillers, you know, the provocation, some of them were a little dumb and a little shallow. And the basic idea was, you know, wouldn't it be crazy if a woman had power? Yeah. Right. And then she used that power to assault a man, like men do. That would be crazy. It doesn't develop it much further than that. Um, and 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 also in the in the last scene, she literally uses like the same arguments against rape accusations against men that they use to try and protect herself. And you know, again, it, it doesn't get much sort of uglier, thornier. And you know, I was expecting either Douglas was going to you know, have his life like actually kind of destroyed and go through some hardship or, you know, he was, if they wanted to go Verhoeven mode, I thought that he was maybe even going to be sort of intrigued by it, maybe fantasize a little about it or, you know, get involved. But no, he spends the entire movie as just the wrongly accused um, man. And well, then we enter the matrix. (laughs) Yeah, but then I was kind of like, it's just so weird to me that this doesn't take the eroticism levels to any extremes after that. There's, like, the assault sequence, and then it literally is this sort of conspiracy courtroom drama just for a little while that gets solved very, very, very easily by just them discovering a last-minute tape that basically proves that he was, you know, at least telling the truth that he didn't assault her um, I mean, I think it's
3: because neither Barry Levinson nor Crichton are freaks. Like, I think they're, you know, weirdos, but I don't think they're, like, perverts in the way that Verhoeven is. And Yeah, I, I,
1: honestly, I, I was like, because I, I didn't mind, like, Demi Moore in the film. Like, I think that she's I thought there she was really the performance. Good. Um, no, she's great. But what I was just surprised about was that, you know, because I don't think it's totally her fault. They just don't give her much to do after the assault sequence like I expected her to try to like come to him personally for a settlement and try to work something out and like but they she doesn't get to go as psycho mode as someone like Nicole Kidman does in To Die For or Sharon Stone in, in, in Basic Instinct she doesn't get to be like you know squirm inducing and get to that place of like being kind of hypnotic and threatening and all of these places it, it literally just kind of becomes a backroom politics um, kind of situation and I was just really surprised that by the time I was was going okay she fucked up the assault deal you know and and she has to make a settlement and people found out that she was basically lying i was like okay she's gonna go full psycho mode now right like she's gonna like actually like try to kill him or you know like something i feel like something had to have happened in there because this is an erotic thriller for all of that but no it literally just drops the entire idea <laughs> of the film, which is again, a powerful woman assaulting a man.
3: Which like completely- should be, should be your big hint to how seriously the film takes that as a concept. <laughs>
1: like- it, it was for me. Cause honestly I was kind of on some level, I was kind of mixed. I was like, there's stuff that's going wrong here, but I'm getting some enjoyment out of it. It was this twist that finally decided for me that I wasn't crazy about this movie because it completely undermines everything that came before it because it's not actually interested in, and him just her just fucking with him from a position of power but it's actually a techno conspiracy thriller about defective computer hardware well, it's like yeah, that's it's ultimately what it was about of
0: power but it does undercut the sexual element the erotic element yeah. of the thriller yeah well it just it, yeah. it
3: dissipates any stakes around
0: that aspect what this
3: film it. thinks as being you know subversive um to blow its entire budget on showing Michael Douglas being in the matrix trying to get files, Um, which which is like its own thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the thing is like, I find that very fun, Um, but it definitely is the film showing its hand in terms of like, it's actual commitment to like following through on cleaning up the mess that it's made conceptually.
0: Sure. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. So
3: Like I find it hard to be, I mean, I obviously, this film is very offensive for a lot of reasons, but it's hard to like <laughs> seriously be offended by it because it doesn't seem to actually care about anything that it's doing. And
0: it's also <laughs> so, so fucking silly. Like it really yes, is. Yes, it's yeah, so yeah. crazy convoluted and just like the lines of, uh, you know, the sexist jokes back and forth. It's just so silly. So I, I it's, had it's a hard like time taking like it. It's like effectively
3: seriously. a parody. Like it's, it's right. It doesn't take itself seriously. How can we take it seriously? It's all, it's all yeah. so silly.
0: Levinson's like comedy stuff really shined through unintentionally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I did like, even when he goes into the, the, the whole matrix thing, um, it is, you know, kind of laughable and and kind of bad. but I, I find it very entertaining. But there is there no, is parts did, yeah. in there where he's like, He's the digital Michael Douglas and he's walking through this giant digital library. And at one point CG he looks CG pixel down. Demi
1: Moore sneaking
0: up behind that's him. The best, <laughs> see, that's the best shot. I was literally just going to say that. that. That shot of her, because it's so funny because he's fully conceptualized as like a human being in the digital space. He's digitalized, like they put like a filter on him, but he's still Michael Douglas. Whereas Demi Moore is like this, she's on like a digital mannequin that just kind of slides around and her workplace photograph is her (laughs) face. So there's this one (laughs) shot where Michael Douglas is looking through the computers and trying to like get, (laughs) get the information and her, her, uh, like digital mannequin or whatever is just sliding up behind him like creepily. But there's this mixture of like, it's, you have a disconnect because of what you're looking at. So there's kind of a creepy factor to it, but it's also so silly that you have to laugh. So I I just was feeling a lot of things in this sequence uh, (laughs) that I, that I ended up really enjoying in in a sense, but yes, I can't take it away. It's stupid. Yeah. The shot shot where he like, like,
3: there's the golf, like he's in the, the virtual library with all the files and he, he like he's like whoa and like like he looks down his, and sees like and then, the moving the car- Harry
0: Potter staircase or whatever yeah and then the camera okay, he's cuts literally to like what's in Johnny actually Mnemonic in the internet Yes, the
2: yes.
3: camera cuts to like what's actually happening and he's just like teetering on the VR of like Matt <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah.
0: I did not like- expect to think of like what Josh just said Johnny Mnemonic when I was about to watch this uh, erotic sex thriller with Michael yeah, Douglas the, 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 cl- <laughs> the,
1: the climax is literally like a computer hacking off on who can Get the filed evidence on who is fucking up the production line (laughs) of the ROM hardware. And I was sitting here going, because, like, to me, I will agree, like, I'll agree with Jamie, like, that stuff is so stupid and silly (laughs) that I got enjoyment out of it 100%. Right. But the thing about it is that enjoyment came in tandem. (laughs) with it like dropping all of the like you know sort of things because I didn't completely hate you know the idea of the you know Demi Moore coming after Michael Douglas and trying to overpower him or trying to do stuff to him and for me the big just the the big twist moment where it was like this was never actually about Demi Moore having power and wanting to you and wanting to abuse that power because she was into Michael Douglas or just wanting to have power over someone else because you think that that's supposed to be her character and that was you what would idiots. make her you a femme character. thought that a woman want
3: powers.
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and, and the thing is, is he literally, and I kid you not, <laughs> this is, this makes it so much worse he finds this out by overhearing her loudly talking about her plan to a henchman while on a stairmaster yeah, yeah and she and, and and she literally just says yeah like you know I I never even like you know wanted to you know have anything with him I was just you know sort of like this pawn in a in a mission that was like all about a larger setup for Donald Sutherland to just frame all of the production issues on Michael Douglas and And squeeze him out. (laughs) And like that was it. Like so 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 so, so even the, the shock factor of the assault sequence, which to me was one of the stronger sequences in the film, at least in terms of you know Barry Levinson trying to actually do some stylized shots, um, you find out that all of that was faked. Like she actually, as her character, she didn't want to do any of that. It was literally just trying to make up a situation. So for the, for the business. Right. So it's like, if,
3: if you thought that all of that stuff from the first half was insulting, like in the second half when the film goes, and we didn't even need it.
0: Like, it's like, <laughs> like yeah, fuck for sure. off. I do like, think there's something though about like the, the tech uh, company or I guess whoever was in charge of this plan. Use like putting her in power to then use her as a sexual object to get him out of the way. Like, I understand it's still ridiculous and stupid and all that, but I do think there's something kind of trashy and gross about that. They don't, they don't, I will say, they don't really implement that idea well in the film. They don't really I was going to say, that, that idea
3: is like way more interesting than anything the film does. Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
0: They don't really investigate it. It's just, it is there on a surface level. I do wish they uh, went deeper yeah, the, into that, Yeah, the, 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 the,
1: the idea that they were just sending her out as like, you know, a, a tool, you know, a sexual tool in order to, you know, actually just get him yeah. framed for production issues, to production manufacturing <laughs> issues. I think that's it's something. It's just... It, it's very um like obviously like that is you know just very kind of silly on its face but for me it just it undermined everything they were doing with Demi Moore you on, mean like, like a
0: character a, level right right like on a personal level between Douglas and her and and I, I well, yeah like
1: because be, because some of the few things I was intrigued by was like Demi Moore being like I am powerful right. I'm an aggressive woman and they now expect that's her me just to do doing a man's an act. job well I'm gonna do a man's assault <laughs> right and she's just acting instead yeah. So it turns yeah. out all of that is just uh, an act that she was putting on sort of like behind the scenes. And yeah. So for me, that kind of just undermined. well, and especially too, because like that's an hour and 40 minutes of the movie. <laughs> so, like, you're, <laughs> so you're sitting there going, okay, so the last hour and 40 minutes was literally just like a, performance um and they didn't mean any of this stuff but they also wanted to bring up all these ridiculous things like right. there's a part yeah. that i didn't mention that i wanted to bring up where uh, the wife starts a victim blaming michael douglas Oh yeah,
2: <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> which i thought was a really funny moment where she's like you went up and saw that woman alone and had some wine and gave her a back rub you put yourself in this position, you know, like this guy, you deserve to be assaulted. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then the wife is then after that, she's like
0: getting Disneyland tickets for the family. Yeah, even she's like, a, I'm
3: leaving the movie. Bye.
0: Bye. <laughs> there's even a shot. I love the, the moment at the end, just to, just to fully, uh, make sure that, you know, that Michael Douglas was wholly innocent. They have his daughter, like give him a little, piece of paper and she's like I I didn't believe that lady for a single moment daddy something like that and I was just I lost my mind I lost my mind loved it
1: yeah that was a crazy moment the other really crazy moment that oh, we have so to goofy. bring up is because this, this all, this all ends up climaxing once again, <laughs> oh, Michael okay. Douglas stealing files from the VR system, Johnny mnemonic style that proves that <laughs> he wasn't actually behind the manufacturing issues, but actually Demi Moore was behind the manufacturing issues. And it ends in a, a, a giant Michael Cretan great moment, <laughs> which is almost in Aaron Sorkin in a way where he gets to go to a conference and he literally just gets to own her in front of everyone. Yeah, and um, she thinks and he,
0: that he, she he's being set up, but no no no, he's setting her up. That's right. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Order is yeah, restored. So <laughs> so,
1: yeah, no more reverse gender politics stuff about sex and power. It's now just oh, you
3: know, you can get the VP uh,
0: job. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> and then the the final he's, Donald Sutherland stinger, he's like, I was so focused on the glass ceiling, I forgot to hire a good employee. I'm
0: yeah. Another woman. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And I love that they, and then Michael Douglas is super happy about this yes. choice because she actually deserves the job. You see, that's, yeah. that's the difference. He, he wasn't a sexist. He just, you know, he, he just wanted to see the right person for the job. <laughs> Yeah,
1: he he just sometimes oh, slapped Lord. his secretary on the ass. What a
3: bananas
0: movie um, Yeah, I, and, I
1: wanted and, to bring And, that and gave her shoulder rubs, which has a, a great reversal, so which funny. comes at the worst possible moment because literally. You know, she gets brought in at one point during the courtroom drama aspect where she goes, yeah, you know, he does, you know, get a little touchy with me, smacks my butt, he rubs my shoulders, and it makes me a little uncomfortable. I don't don't think he means anything by it, but, you know, he touches me, and I don't like it that much, and, you know, I I don't really want to say anything about it. He goes up to her, and in the finale, right before he goes to the conference where he's about to fucking own Demi Moore and, you know, be like, I actually am good at the job, (laughs) and you're not good at the job. You're fired, you know? He gets to have that moment. He literally apologizes to his secretary and was like, you know, uh, she kind of goes, you know, I I didn't really mean to like put you on the spot and get you in trouble. And she was like, he's like, you know what? I deserved to be in trouble. Thank you for letting me know that tapping you on the ass was wrong. Yeah, he grew. And then as he leaves to go to the conference, he leaves his office and (laughs) she fucking slaps him on the ass. And
0: then they do a little pan zoom to him and he gives her a smile. And He's then like, they go <laughs> off, dude. I I howled, howled with laughter. Like so, it but was like,
3: when when she when his secretary comes to the the, the, the court courtroom stuff. Like, does is she only there as a setup for the butt slap gig later? Like, no, does she add anything? I can't remember. Yeah, she's used she, as she, 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 as
0: she's she's character yeah. uh, destroyer basically. Like, see, he sexually assaults people all the time. Uh, Here is right. an example of right. it. So, yeah. And and what I found like just just the fact how they film it is is incredible because the, they show <laughs> early on in the movie him just do a, 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 a with the folder a butt slap to her and they like they zoom in on it they show it outright so you're like okay well he did that that's very obvious. And then when they do the callback, it's it's that is they do that so that they can do the callback of her hitting him in the butt later on. And that was just too much for me. Yeah, they
1: they literally replicate the shot and everything. Like it's come full yes. circle. Yes. Like playful assault oh between God.
0: these two is Finally, cute.
3: The the balance <laughs> of the sexes is restored in the office.
0: Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. It's equal now. Uh, uh, we can both slap each other on the ass. Yeah. Playfully. Oh,
3: it's fine. <laughs> oh my god
0: what a film what a what a fucking movie
3: i'm so sorry
0: (laughs) don't be i had i had an absolute blast i'm glad i know this exists oh great (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna show everybody (laughs) good (laughs) yeah yeah definitely a film
3: to show to other people (laughs)
0: Yes. Yes. Is this, uh, so are we doing a rating round now? I guess. We yeah, we should anything? do a
1: reductive rating round on this, uh, which for you, Meg is where we remove all the words, all the nuance and reduce the movie between, a, uh, the, between a number between one and five. Uh, Aww. but it's also become final statements for any <laughs> scenes or lines we didn't hit. We kind of bring them up here as well. Uh, for me, this is going to land in the kind of like two zone. <laughs> okay. Uh, because I did get, you know, a little bit of, um, in, enjoyment, And I, I think the attempt at kind of like a sleek reverse gender politic erotic thriller, you know, there there could have been someone who made with a, a different director, someone and someone, I guess, maybe even a different writer <laughs> who uh, who wanted to take it to the genuinely like thorny places that a Verhoeven would have taken it um, in, in the finale. I still couldn't believe that the climax was just like. uh, computer conspiracy thriller about uh, files that prove manufacturing problems and I was like this is
3: another through line in our like erotic thriller watch has been like secure file areas like there's (laughs) (laughs) like this keeps coming up
1: (laughs) secure those files yeah, for, for, for me, it was just like, you know, they just couldn't have picked a less sexy, less dangerous <laughs> world to set a kind of movie like this, like the realm of defective CD-ROM <laughs> hardware manufacturing. That's, that's the sexiest all,
3: world Michael Craig could again, think gosh. of. <laughs> yes.
1: <Yeah. laughs> and... And for, for me, there is some stuff that was so dumb, it was kind of fun. But then some stuff that was so dumb, it kind of just undermined the other things that it was doing. Like the idea that Demi Moore this entire time was just pretending to be this abusive, powerful woman. Um, I was kind of like, you're going to set this up as like, she's kind of like the thread of the movie. And then the second shit kind of... They, The second things kind of get a little thorny in the courtroom and they're kind of going, he said, she said, uh, they just immediately solve it. They're like, oh, actually, she's wrong um, and she needs to settle. Oh, and actually, it was never about any of this in the first place. She was just doing this to distract you. They literally even have a character say, you know, I I saw one of my woman colleagues who got to the top and she got fired and she was looking in the wrong direction would you would you would you believe that <laughs> and then michael douglas goes holy shit Light i need to <laughs> overhear her on the stairmaster and find out what the real plan is and i was like that stuff to me was just like so lazily written. And maybe even if Levinson was just a little bit more of a visually interesting filmmaker, like some of it's just a, a little flat and a little, the wonky's the, the pacing's like a little wonky. There's a lot of second unit footage of Seattle and a lot of shot, reverse shot stuff. There's a, the occasional split diopter thrown in there, but honestly I found their inclusion like almost random. <laughs> they were just kind of deployed at just, uh, you know, like two or three moments in, in the film. <laughs> And where I felt to be like Levinson was like okay I'm making one of these kinds of things. got these splinters so
3: offers hanging around i I guess that's
2: from one
3: so of these like I got
1: I got to <laughs> do the, the shot it. I got to I got to do the shot yeah exactly I, I even heard him say that uh, apparently he sighted rear window Great. as something <laughs> he, thought he was doing um Yeah and I was just command Levinson just, just not a Hitchcock, not a De Palma, not a Verhoeven. He doesn't, he doesn't dirty this movie up as much as it um, should. And you know, he doesn't use for casting Michael Douglas. He doesn't let Michael, he just makes Michael Douglas a tormented man. He doesn't make him at all like wild, which is what you come to expect. Even in movies where he is constantly being like victimized, like the game by Fincher, he's <laughs> that movie. He spends the entire movie being victimized and on. And, 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 and on the run. But man, he's still kind of like unhinged in a certain level and this no he was weirdly enough he just kind of plays the straight man husband um, the entire time so I was kind of like thrown thrown off by that so yeah on for me it's got to get the two uh, but again I had a little bit of fun with it and I might have even liked a little bit more if it just wasn't as shallow with the provocations it was trying to do and if it didn't undermine the few shallow provocations it was trying to do with its finale which I will say. Is kind of '90s
0: enough that it's fun? Oh yeah, um, yeah. I'm gonna three it. It's uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. I, <laughs> I, 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 I had a blast. I mean, it's it is. I, I agree with everything that you guys have said. All the critiques are true. It's it's stupid. It's silly. It's convoluted. It's uh, it, uh, it, it does undercut itself at a certain point. Um, I do wish that they that they investigated the idea of the company using her as like a, a sexual weapon. Uh, I, th- I wish that they dove into that a little bit more. Um, but I just I, I had a I got a good kick out of uh, uh, the the times that Demi Moore got to really be more of the like femme fatale, mostly in the first like hour or so. I did enjoy that. Michael Douglas has a few moments here and there just because he is Douglas and he is very good. Yeah, it, it it's just it, it it's like what you guys said. It's stupid. It's uh it definitely is offensive. It it definitely has some really ridiculous uh, sexual politics. Um but I just love getting inside the big old brain of like, some of these Michael like, Crichton. <laughs> here. Yeah. Like he it seems like this I thought this was written by just some like business dude that ended up making an erotic thriller of some this kind. Like cute. some guy on Wall Street or something that was like I'm going to take a crack at this. Um, so yeah, to find out it was the guy that made Jurassic Park Westworld, that's also (laughs) kind of entertaining to me in a weird way too. Um, so yeah, it, it, prepare yourself if you're going to watch this, it's going to be dumb, but I think you'll still maybe get a kick out of a few things here and there, whether or not you like it overall, I think it's still worth checking out.
1: (laughs) It did. uh, It it did make me um, long for a world where a movie like this uh, once again makes two hundred million dollars. Yeah, I forgot to mention. Did you guys hear that? This was a success. This
0: movie was huge. This movie
3: movie (laughs) made made big money. Big uh, computer business money.
0: Yeah, it was huge in the tech field, I bet. Uh we had a few friends in the Discord that actually mentioned their parents at the time were like looking forward to this movie when it was coming out. Oh so my I found God. that interesting too. So yeah, there, people were what a time. interested in this. Yeah. Uh yeah. Yeah.
1: So so a movie made two hundred million dollars and it includes lines like Miss Alvarez, 48 hours ago, my husband's penis was in the mouth of another woman. I don't think there's any law that can help me with that. (laughs) Or uh, there's the Dennis Miller talking about nipples hard like pencil erasers. Demi Moore, you know, some things never change and some things just get better as she like grabs her ass. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. Um, But for you, Meg.
3: Uh, yeah, it's gonna be three out of five. (laughs) It's, it's like way too incompetent. To not be enjoyable. Yeah. Like if it, if it were any any better, it would be worse. <laughs> but because it's, yeah. because it's so unbelievably goofy and like keeps outdoing itself. Like it keeps like it's like it's trying to walk across a field covered in rakes and it just keeps <laughs> smacking itself in the face. Like like it would it would be more objectionable if it was made by a better group of filmmakers. But because it's such a mess, it's incredible. <laughs> like I I actually think it's unintentional unintentional nineties gender satire and like just like as a nineties erotic thriller it's just like an interesting counterpoint because um uh, like I'm a big fan of Jallo as I'm sure you both are uh, mm-hmm. and and I, I know that like trying to untangle the sexual politics of Jallo which like can veer into you know how beautiful is it to stab a woman on screen like right. <laughs> like like erotic thrillers are, are very much the disclosure flip side of that where they're like what if women kill men
2: <laughs>
3: um, and I just think this is like an interesting counterpoint in so far as it is a complete failure. <laughs> like, like they really, like just the, the swing and a miss of it all is very fun. And I, it's just so 90s in so many different ways from uh, how they conceptualize VR <laughs> to, yes. to the the office gender politics like it is a, a relic <laughs> like, yeah. held together with like scotch tape and like spit like it's incredible. <laughs> it's a true
0: time capsule and and to like once again just to see that weird virtual reality thing that's eerily similar to Zuckerberg talking about Meta know, <laughs> was just I so know. strange too. But yeah, the awesome t- little time capsule in a way in its own stupid way
3: yeah yeah no it's incredibly goofy and like thank god because if it was less goofy (laughs) we'd be couldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole.
1: yeah for real hell yeah well i think that that will wrap it up for disclosure here we're going to be right back and we're going to be talking about jade
0: i just didn't want to see it
2: What
3: makes that extra fun is that, like, the film that John Carpenter cites for uh, Prince of Darkness is Inferno. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I love how wacky it is and how, like, you know, like, it's hard to follow and, like, dreamlike. And it's like, yeah, because <laughs> Argento was, like, in the throes of disease. <laughs> yeah,
0: syphilis brain. Damn.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he definitely did not have syphilis. I can't remember what he had. He had some venereal disease. Um, but anyway. Speaking of
0: venereal diseases. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. Hmm.
1: Uh, All right.
0: We are back (laughs) and We are talking. uh, We're talking freaking freaking, baby. Did you
3: know that this is his favorite movie of his own? (laughs) I
0: did know that.
3: (laughs) Depending on when you ask him.
0: This intro is going to be as crazy as this movie. We're leaving it all in.
1: Okay, good. good. (laughs) It is a 1995 American erotic thriller film written by (laughs) Joe... Esther... What did you say? Esther House? Esther House.
3: He's, I believe, the man behind Showgirls.
1: (laughs) Yes, he is the man not only behind Showgirls, but also... I think he did... uh, Uh, Flashdance, Basic Instinct, no one else has seen it but probably me and maybe Meg actually, Sliver.
3: Oh, I love Sliver.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Billy Billy Baldwin spying on Sharon Stone and using cameras in an apartment building. So this guy made a full career out of himself um, due to (laughs) the wild success of Basic Instinct. Um, he even made sequels to Basic Instinct he did all kinds of um, thrillers I mean he was kind of doing thrillers before that too he did like a Jean-Claude Van Damme one he did um, The Music Box I think is one of them that people talk about um, what's the Van so Damme he, one know, just out of curiosity um, Nowhere to Run okay uh, I haven't I haven't seen that one it's one of the few Van Dams I haven't seen Yeah, me um, neither. but I am curious knowing that he's written it because every <laughs> movie I've seen that this guy has written is you know if it's not the best movie it's insane right exactly um, So I'm definitely curious, and this is directed, obviously, as as Meg has mentioned already, um, by William Friedkin, who is, um, you know, he's one of our faves on the show. We've covered The Exorcist. We've covered Sorcerer, Cruising, To Live and Die in LA, and basically. And basically, all of them were for me masterpieces. So I was yeah, excited to learn that he went back to the realm of like eroticism and violence because I think Cruising is honestly one of his strongest films. Stealthily, and that film has some incredible energy to it when Al Pacino goes undercover into the leather daddy scene in search of like a serial killer, and he's kind of like almost awoken by it. There's some great humor when he goes up there as an undercover cop one night, and they're all it- it's cop night, so they're all dressed as cops <laughs> and dancing. There's there's some really like really interesting imagery in that and jade is interesting i will <laughs> say <laughs> because in comparison to disclosure uh, i mean kind sort of as meg was mentioning um this is what if something as incoherent uh was actually insanely directed by someone who has the kind of talent that could match someone like a De Palma figure, uh, cause he yeah. doesn't normally make these kinds of films, but this film, 100%, it is a lot more stylish. Um, sure. I
3: mean, the way you can tell this film, like if you didn't tell me this was directed by William Freakin and he like blocked out the credits, the moment any sort of car shenanigans would start, I'd be like, this is oh, a William yeah. Freakin movie. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. It was so funny because like, say what you Jade,
3: every single uh, car stunt is incredible.
0: Oh, yeah, it is. And,
1: and it was so funny because I knew it right away where I wasn't sure how far he was going to go with it. But I was like, there's a part sort of in the middle where like David Crusoe's um, brake line gets cut and he's like driving down the very historic um street that they filmed the bullet car chase on and he he can't hit the brakes and he's fly his car is flying he's running into traffic and all of these things and i went man okay so friedkin got his car moment in, he got his bullet reference in like that's gonna be it you know like he (laughs) did you know there's not gonna be another full-on friedkin car chase in this film and then there actually was and i was kind of like losing my shit and it
0: goes like for a while and it and it is just electric like it, it's insane it, how many s- stages it takes too. like it goes to like four different phases of the chase yeah it's incredible
3: also when I, that I, um girl whose name i can't remember that woman this the sex worker who is their lead who then gets got like when she gets hit uh, by yes. that car it's, like, oh my God. it's crazy. Crazy. so like visceral and awful like it's yeah really so there, well done. there is
0: real freed kid yeah a real like, a real person made this style. movie
1: you can tell that he directed this movie, which is something that I yeah. will give it credit for because I was watching Disclosure and I literally watched <laughs> it like right before and I was like, man, I I kind of wish someone with like a sense of style had kind of made that film. And yeah, it might have made it ickier. It might have made it more troubling. But I feel like I would have been a little bit more interested in it um, rather than some of the flatness of it, especially because I, of how long it is. So when they said Friedkin, 90 minutes... <laughs> I was like, I don't care how incoherent it is. Fuck that. Whatever. Um, Yeah, this thing's going to go. And (laughs) this is going to be a perverse movie. It's going to be a violent movie. And it delivered for the most part.
0: Yeah, I I found it interesting, though, that there was kind of a similarity just to the way they filmed the intro scenes in in both these movies, actually, which is they had the characters going. uh, you, You could hear things going on in the background off screen um but it was basically just giving you like a tour of the house in in disclosure it's just like kind of you know the boring suburban household while they're getting ready for school and all of that stuff but in this one you're actually hearing a murder as they're going through this really crazy mansion with like f- f- filled with uh, ancient artifacts and and things like that and and it's also playing this kind of uh, oh, it's the uh, song it's, it's the music. song from
3: the um uh uh it's the song from the dinosaur sequence in Fantasia. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's so how,
1: specific. Yeah, wow. sorry,
3: that's, that's <laughs> what it's from. I don't know the name
1: of it, but like, it's, it's really cool. It's, it's a super. It's very song. ominous and and horror tinged and
0: yeah. Um, and there's like a you, mystique to it because it's got like the it, it's got similar scales to like what they do in like uh, Egyptian and Arabian music, um, and they eventually even. Uh, throw in some like vocals that have that same kind of thing with a lot of reverb and it's very atmospheric. Um, I loved the score on this in particular. That's
3: James Horner, baby. Nice. Never misses.
0: Yeah. He's do, great. do you know what? Do you know
1: what? Well, do you know what's funny is so immediately we're like, man, the score is really cool in this movie. Do you want to know something really funny? And I think this also <laughs> speaks to how boring kind of disclosure was and when, when it didn't have to be. Did an AI Any make O'Mara disclosures? Kone,
0: Ennio Morricone did the score for Disclosure, yeah. and no. you wouldn't know it. No, there was—I <laughs> think there it. was only one moment in Disclosure, and I honestly can't even totally recall it. Oh, I remember it was—it uh, had like some some really clicky drums and a nice bassline, but that's honestly it, and it's only at one moment in Disclosure. So yeah, yeah compared to this thing, it had nothing.
1: Yeah. Well, and and that's just it. It's fucking Ennio Morricone like right, that. You right. would have you would have had to like how do you mess up? Like Ennio stop <laughs> him. You would have had to go yeah. in while he was composing and be like, no, 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 make something boring, please. Yeah, make something worse than we dial you just it back. <laughs> yeah, like the, that that dude was still kicking out bang scores, you know, into the two thousands when he did yeah. um, uh, Mission to Mars. Uh, I think that was what that was called, the Brian De Palma space one that was kind of like Interstellar, like 10 years before Interstellar came out, somehow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was Brian De Palma like adapting a a Disney park ride, uh, and it actually had like dudes exploding with blood in their suits and stuff. (laughs) It was a different time. Um, But anyway, yes, right off the bat, watching this, you do have two openings where like you have this floating camera moving through a house, and you can, these are just. this explicitly shows you what directing is, (laughs) 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 is, is that this one, it has a tone to it. It has an atmosphere to it. There's this, it's very foggy on this beautiful house at night. It's filled with all this sort of like, Eastern art decor and lavish gold surfaces and paintings and candlelight and then photos of whoever owns this house with powerful people like uh, Ronald mm. Reagan and Nixon <laughs> and the cameras floating around <laughs> through this water through all these fancy corridors until it reaches this eyes wide shut fucking mask right. and naked paintings and we hear some shouting and eventual stabbing and screaming and you know so we we, like- we can kind of pick up from context clues that we have overheard the bloody brutal murder murder of a very powerful person
0: yeah and they also have this awesome shot at the very end where uh, blood starts to pour out from under this incredibly yes fancy looking painting um, and I also yeah, the, like the
1: art literally bleeding is yeah. like definitely a more evocative shot than basically
0: anything Levinson could conceive of. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> what do you also,
2: mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and there's also like the way they use that mask shot is cool because they just have the camera go up the stairs um, initially in the opening. And then when Caruso comes to investigate the scene, they they, re- they do that exact same mask shot, but it's him going up to the murder scene. And I just thought that that was kind of a cool little connection that they do there with the filmmaking.
1: Mm-hmm. And in and, and this film, we're introduced David Caruso. He is the Assistant DA of uh, San Francisco, and uh, he is he is hanging out at what looks like uh, one of these Eyes Wide Shut parties, <laughs> um, and and he spots uh, Linda uh, Linda Fiorentino. I Fiorentino, believe is her name. I can't remember. Yes, and she is and she is playing a woman named Katrina. Gavin, and she is dancing with her husband, who is uh, Chaz Palmentary and he's playing her husband Matt. And we're sort of, you know, cued into their relationship very early on, where there's a little bit of a love triangle happening here. It's sort of hinted throughout the course of the film that they kind of, they went to school together, and maybe David Caruso was into her or dated her at one point, but eventually Matt actually, you know, married her. And now they are together, and they do this sort of through uh david caruso and chaz kind of like competing with one another by taking turns sort of cunning in on the dancing yeah <laughs> um until he's called in to the bloody crime scene where uh they find out that a, a very prominent businessman with lots of powerful connections has been killed but not only killed he has been strung up he has been tortured and he has been murdered with an antique hatchet yeah. while wearing a fertility mask <laughs>
0: And they show the body too and it's it is really It's cut gruesome. Up. Yeah, it's it, they show like he's basically nude so th- the entire body is just cut up from head to toe and he's like chained or or pinned down with straps to the wall. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. And there, very, there's like
1: really crazy editing where there's, it switches between like these close-ups of Caruso within like these Dutch angles of various objects covered in blood in the room. And then these flash cuts and these steady cam maneuvers over the various sort of like the murder weapon and you know, the, the, the sort of partially cut up body and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's like, man, we have walked in on someone who really fucking wanted to kill this guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, and it triggers, you know, a, a, a pretty from there. You know, uh, I won't say conventional, but it, it this is this has a very different kind of structure to it, where it's kind of less. I mean, it is a thriller, and it does have some eroticism to it. Yeah, but this structurally <laughs> plays more as kind of like a like a more like neo noir mystery kind of film, right? You know? which, which
3: is like the grandparent of of the erotic thriller, in my opinion. Like they are, mm-hmm, yeah. they are. There is some sort of, you know, a bloodline there for sure. But I do agree that Jade uh, has erotic moments, but I don't think tries to wade as deeply into the water as others, including disclosure. No, to, I mean, to, to, even the disclosure is ultimately unsuccessful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, because I, w- I was, I was gonna say, like it, it gets to some of its most complicated moments, like. Uh, you know, kind of like right at the end and then it just kind of ends. Whereas like disclosure, the way that it's written, it gets to its really, you know, uh, intense moment, half an hour in and yes it kind of undermines it but like a a vast majority of the movie is you know the actual like you know when you think erotic thriller for me i do kind of you know think of things sort of more because you know basic instinct obviously has that mystery element has that noir kind of element to it um as as well but what was interesting to me was that that this is just so obviously more of like a procedural yeah,
3: this is <laughs> like the, more this I'm actually sure.
1: is about sure. the investigation. It is about partially the cops and the CSI team, and like you know, like it's just it's, it's a little bit um, it, it leans even more than uh Giallo does into the actual sort of investigation, even though you know I still find it um effective. It's it's very sleazy and dark, and it, it does have some you know, uh, some convoluted, yes, but lurid elements thrown into it that's supposed to give it that kind of uh, violent, sort of sexy edge that it wants to have, including like sex pest dens and like oh, hidden camera sorry, shows. I think
3: you and mean a fuck house.
2: <laughs>
1: a fuck house. Yes. What's
3: Crystal beluga, Wolf King puck. Wolf King puck.
1: <laughs> That's Esther fuckhouse. House.
3: a 10
2: out of 10.
1: <laughs> that would have been the moment in CSI Miami where you put the glasses on. Yeah. Like right. when you finished that, yeah! if, if he was a to swear. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it definitely throws in again, like these lurid elements into it, but I was definitely going, moving from disclosure to this. I was like, oh, <laughs> this, is, this really is like a kind of a cop movie. Um, more, more so than I, that I expected, even though David Crusoe isn't playing a cop, like he's playing the assistant. DA, yeah. I, was yeah. Th- there, th- that's where it gets ridiculous where like David Crusoe is in like a, to live and die in LA, like cop movie car chase sequence. But like, he's the assistant DA. So yeah, you're kind of like, he's not really that character. That, like, because
3: he has this personal connection to Jade. That's why he's involved. But like, he's pretty in the weeds from the get go. And it's not really clear, like what the parameters of his job are. Um, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. but I don't think Esther House cares. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> no, no, but, uh, yeah, so a, a lot of this becomes, uh, after he sees this crime scene uh, of him just kind of tugging at, at, at threads of, of, of power. It turns into sort of a cop conspiracy film where he's kind of, uh, looking into, you know, how this guy got murdered. And it turns out there is sort of this web of, um, <laughs> the real Epstein shit.
0: Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> That'd be a great way to describe it. Definitely.
1: Yeah, that's, that's how I'm going to describe it, which is, uh, you know, he, they they go into the guy who died uh, safe. And again, it's already been confirmed. He's this very powerful man who's involved in, in, in politics. And he has photos of the governor having sex with sex workers uh in 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 various different positions and they were curious if you know did he have these because he was blackmailing the governor it leads to a bunch of you know sort of uh different moments that he's investigating but then he finds out you know that uh <laughs> the governor uh, the governor didn't know you know he so he he couldn't have been the killer i did like in the moments with the governor getting to see that his assistant was a very young holt uh, McCallany from mm-hmm. uh mindhunter uh, and a black hat. And I was like, man, I love this guy. I love seeing this guy. <laughs> Every time he shows up in a movie, he has got a great face. Yeah. Um, and, and he's he great. has a surprisingly bigger role than I expected him to have <laughs> because, uh, because at first they introduced him as the guy who, uh, is just the governor's assistant. Uh, he not only knows where the bodies are buried, but he probably buried them. I think is what the governor says. Um, but, yeah, so they they, they found the, gov- the governor in these compromising photos, and they think he might have killed uh, this. What's this guy's name? I remember him thinking he had kind of a stupid name. This rich guy. Just so I can't keep calling uh, him the rich guy. Um,
3: uh, <laughs> I'm sure he was just Kyle, rich guy
1: in the script. No, he was. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he was he, he was. he was. He was Kyle which was a, I don't know if that's like an old rich guy name that I would have went for, in the script, but it works for now. Just answer his
3: being like, what's the richest name I can think of? Kyle. Kyle.
2: <laughs> Maybe
3: he um, named him for Kyle McLaughlin for his, uh, what he provided to show girls.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, but, on on his uh, on Caruso's here's little mission, and I, I should mention, kind of nice seeing Caruso. He didn't get to do a big movie career. He was a big TV guy. What was that show
0: that he was on in the nineties? It's um, like uh, Miami something or some cop show or NYPD. Let me see.
1: Yeah, no, because he was he was Blue obviously was NYPD Blue. That's what that's it was. That's so, okay, funny, yeah, so that with,
3: between him and Peterson, that makes two boys that worked with Freakin' who got sucked into procedural TV. Was freaking, or I'm no, not freaking, Peterson oh, yeah. ended up just doing CSI and now he's yeah, going back yeah. to the well.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, what was sort of interesting was that, um, for Caruso, like he was a much bigger TV star than he was a movie star. Uh, whereas Peterson, you know, if he wanted to be, you know, I, I have a feeling that Peterson said that, you know, he just didn't sweat what kind of roles he got. Oh, no. he was I, think, chill about I think Peterson
3: it. just wanted, wanted the security of working in television, which is fine.
1: Yeah. 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 love that. For whereas, him. whereas no Caruso really <laughs> wanted to actually be a movie star. And, you know, he, we, we've talked about him before because he was in Abel Frere's King of New York, which he had like a pretty, uh, decent role as kind of like this, um, uh, sort of slimy, angry Irish cop. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, he's great at it. And that, that is what actually got him his TV role. But at, when he got on TV, he always wanted to go back into movies and then it didn't end up working. So, and part of the, from what I understand was this movie, people largely when this movie came out, very much rejected his performance in this film, um, which going into it, knowing that I was kind of surprised because I didn't yeah. think he was that bad. I mean, I didn't I think he was think like amazing bad. or anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah,
0: it's, it's but, uh, nothing like uh, show stopping, but I don't think he's bad by any means. I think he really adds, adds a good energy, especially to like the more action sequences, like the chase sequence, stuff like that. And he he is good at just playing kind of a dickish cop. He just has the face and voice for it. So yeah, I, I liked him in this.
1: Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't hate him even though again once again he's not even actually playing a cop which is sort sure, yeah, of the movie yeah. for me.
0: Right. Um,
1: <laughs> might and, as well. And, be. and also it was funny to imagine the version of this movie that almost existed which was supposed to be Warren Beatty and Sharon yeah, Stone. Mm, I know.
0: That'd be wild. <laughs> yeah.
3: That would be wild. In another in another dimension that movie exists.
0: <laughs> I've also heard that there's like 12 minutes that We, I I don't know what, like, if the version that you guys watched was the VHS thing that they did somehow, if you guys got a rip from it. No, it's Mm -hmm. it's hard to find. Yeah, that's what I've heard. But apparently, there's like 12 minutes that are missing from it. And it's, I don't know if it's all just erotic and and violent stuff, but it might help flesh out some of the more character moments that they don't really seem to do in this version. I I found, for instance, uh, uh, Katrina's or Jade's. character to be a little bit undercooked for what I think they were going for. And I was intrigued by her character and I kind of liked, in a sense, what they do. Mm-hmm. There's some pro- some problems, of course, but um, I just found that by the end of it, when they were kind of doing this like dual uh, psyche thing, it, it, they didn't flesh that out enough for me to really latch on to it I I, I
1: was just a little surprised that they 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 posit her as kind of like the femme fatale presence in the film but then they leave it a mystery for so long (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) like whether she was involved in some way or whether she did it or not and so it was surprisingly she doesn't get even as much moments as like Demi Moore gets to be like powerful and to you know like you know be the sort of commanding presence on the screen I was just surprised they didn't give her uh, kind of more moments like that even though I didn't
0: I didn't mind her the thing is, though, is that her I, she kind of has the opposite with her character, because isn't she kind of going from a powerful position to these men that are putting her in a less powerful position? And she's kind of enjoying that, at least the the Jade side of her or whatever they want to say. Well, the way
1: that she's seeing it is that is that she's owning it, that she's in control. Right. 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 I think I think big, her
3: whole thing you know, is like right? she's in a pretty loveless relationship with her husband. And this is her way of. uh
0: Like it's part of herself, I guess.
3: Well, kind of. And like part of it is framed as revenge against her husband who's having affairs. Right. Um, But also her being like, okay, well, then I'm going to go do my thing because this sucks. Um, Mm -hmm. That's how I understand it.
1: Yeah, Yeah, there's definitely control to it because, like, there's in 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 the first shot where we kind of get an idea that this is supposed to be an erotic thriller. It is literally Katrina, like, butt naked in a hotel room, her reflection in the window, calling her office, who is with another woman cheating on her, and you can tell that what she's calling for is that she kind of knows that that's what's happening, and she's kind of signaling that, and she's also meant to be this clinical psych author who writes about violence in the workplace and she she d- gives this big speech where she was she on
3: disclosure <laughs> we needed her. where hers. was she that's right
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and she gives this big speech about telling the difference between you know someone in the office who's having you know a bad day and having a you know just has a bad temper versus you know someone you know actually having aggressive impulses and really trying to destroy something or someone and becoming a slave to their urges and they bring the line up like 50 million times in the movie where she's like "Um, these people can have a dissociative hysteria that blinds them from the darkness within themselves and she's
0: (laughs) that's where I think it doesn't like isn't that the lack of control because she's constantly like I'm blindly going into this because it's a deep urge that I have but I can't actually express it because I'm ashamed of it or something like that I don't think the film. Is I don't, far, I, I, far I into don't it. even. I don't even think
1: the movie has thought it through as much as you. <laughs> well, say this yeah, <laughs> Well, yeah.
0: Granted, this is an incoherent film. I, I will say that. But I'm just. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. trying to flesh something out here.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to. You're doing spec for Jade
0: 2. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, yeah,
1: I I think that there is there is a, a little bit of a disconnect there, where she's talking about you know people who you know uh, do this kind of stuff are technically losing control, but then she's suggesting that she's empowering herself and actually taking control while she does it, and some of the right. imagery backs her up. Uh, I mentioned in the last one that there's a great shot of how Demi Moore is introduced via her heels. This has an even better shot. Of um, when we actually get to see uh, her at work as her sex worker persona, Jade, where she uh, literally puts on heels and like steps on a dude's dick and balls with her heels. Right. And the dude is like screaming.
3: (laughs) Well, I think like all of her her, uh, pontificating about um, dissociation stuff, I think it's all just red herring laziness on Esther House's part of being like, eh <laughs> like I don't actually think there's anything there with respect to her. Like I don't think for her there's any kind of dissociation. I think I think
1: Yeah, I don't
0: think so. I don't I think I, don't, I, I didn't a, read I'm that sure. anyway in, yeah. in the scenes that they actually shoot of her. For me but there is the a, only way that, there is a moment though where she's having sex with the one of the powerful men i I don't know if they even named this particular guy and it's even got a wild shot where she's got like pantyhose over her head and uh she can't breathe and can't breathe and then she like kind of freaks out on him um isn't that kind of i thought that that was kind of a signifier of her losing that control and then freaking out in some capacity maybe i I just i I I truly think
3: that you're doing work esther house didn't (laughs)
0: that's
1: all uh, (laughs) Yeah cuz for 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 me when I got to that I just thought that like her world was kind of crumbling like she was being exposed like her mind was on other things I didn't read it specifically as like the work is just hurting her or she's bad or she or that's happened before or anything like that I just took it as cuz that that comes at like a climactic moment right when yeah. she's like actually in danger um, even, and, and she's not being as into it as, as she is, but we should get into for anyone who hasn't seen the film. Well, everyone
3: um, has seen how, Jade. <laughs> how,
1: how we, how we got here, which is <laughs> that as, as, uh, David Cruz's character, the assistant DA is kind of in- investigating, you know, this sort of, uh, sex ring that this, uh, rich guy set up where, you know, his powerful clients came to him. And they came to his, his fuck house <laughs> on the beach- And he uh, set them up with various prostitutes. And there is one that they keep talking about named Jade that they are, they all really want because they think that she is just the best (laughs) at, at her job. Um, and they only find this out because he, he tracks down someone else who had been involved in the sex ring, who is a sex worker named Patrice. And there is kind of like a funny little like China Chinatown, uh, like foot chase to go and like tackle her and bring her in and everything like that. um, and the sequence where they actually go to the fuck house is like really funny, where they're, they're just like <laughs> opening drawers and there's just various sex toys and butt plugs and massage oil and drugs everywhere. Oh uh with, with, with hidden cameras <laughs> in it. Uh, even the, the, the detective at one point even makes like a, a, a harassment comment to one of the female investigators oh <laughs> saying, like, man, these toys, you know, all this, this, this place makes me think of you, you know? Like, and I was like, what the fuck? I did like her <laughs>
0: reply though, where she's called. She, she says to shove it up his ass because he's the perfect asshole or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> just a ridiculous um, erotic thriller dialogue.
1: Yeah, but they they eventually track down this this. Uh, sex worker named Patrice and I did like the Chinatown like alley foot chase where they're like literally on like fire escapes and they're like running through theater performances I thought this was like uh, lady from Shanghai or something for a second when they uh, when they're doing the chases near the end Um, and they end up capturing her and kind of beating her and there's a cut to like her uh, being held and like a a cop doing target practice like Like in in the the next next room room (laughs) yeah which I thought was like just again (laughs) of very uh evocative uh like formal choice but like one that is nonsense which <laughs> yes. i think kind of describes that's movie jade in a <laughs> nutshell where
3: it's like yeah. freaking made choices esther has made choices to what end who's to say <laughs> but choices for <were> me
1: <laughs> yeah like it's, it's it's just ridiculous and doesn't make sense <laughs> but for me i was having kind of like more fun with these kinds of moments because they were just kind of weird and also you know at least they were stylish as well um but yeah, no no attorney is going to take her case because her case involves threatening, you know, the most powerful people in all of San Francisco. <laughs> um, so she confesses that she was, you know, she was part of the sex ring for all these powerful people and she didn't know any of them and they didn't really know her and they all wanted this girl named uh, uh, Jade. And after he leaves that interrogation, that's like the bit I was mentioning before where they cut his brake line and they do this huge sort of like... He's traveling down on this street where they filmed the bullet car chase because Friedkin literally can't stop himself. He just loves <laughs> the car chases. And for for whatever reason, my brain went, okay, that was Friedkin getting the car chase thing out of his system because this is like a smaller, more kind of like intimate thriller. You know, he can't go like French Connection mode. He can't go to live and die in LA mode. It's just this movie, you know, in terms of its premise, it's just not that big.
3: You underestimated Uh, him. (laughs) I underestimated
1: him, which I was, I was happy. I was happy to (laughs) underestimate him because as the movie kind of progresses, it gets like very, very um, crazy because he finds out that um, Katrina has been seen in these sex ring circles. She's not exactly sure how, you know, how she connects to it. And also that her fingerprints were on the hatchet. Um, she says it's because she was supposedly there earlier in the day, kind of talking to this dude about his, you know, the museum acquisition. Which makes no or, sense you know, with something. respect
3: to her, like, clinical psychology armchair book writing job. Like, I don't know why she's also interested in artifacts and, like, museum curation, but it's fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because it's another red herring. Yeah, yeah. Um, of
3: course it's fine there's, a, there's just
1: there's just this movie is just like a lot of red herrings over and over and over again yeah. but very stylish it's a, ones. It's a very uh, stylish
3: fish market that's what this movie is yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> um but yeah so she she touched the mask and she touched the hatchet and oh what do you know she also has no alibi for where she was when he died and you know uh then then they say something along the lines of you know did you ever have sex with him and she says david <laughs> I'm married. That, could nev- that would never happen. I people don't have. Thriller. Someone, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> someone cheating on someone? Come on. That's crazy. In what world? <laughs> <laughs> and then you do get a kind of glimpse into her world a little bit with with the scenes with, with her husband, where her husband just gets really turned on watching her moisturize her leg. While <laughs> like the synths are like a building in the background. <laughs> With, the true villain the of this
3: film is definitely yes. Matt. <laughs> he's like the
1: worst. <laughs> so, and, and just a totally like pleasureless sex scene where he's just like on top of her while she's like grimacing and
0: crying. Yeah, and it's not good. Kind of, and he doesn't notice at all. Like, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's There's no moment at all. He just, he just he stops and the scene is over. It was like, Oh my God, you are just, you're just horrible.
1: Yeah. 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 So either way, she, she at this point is like (laughs) the number one suspect of the film because of all of these little sort of like technical moments that have built up. And then they finally discover a sex tape from, from the cameras when they pull the tapes from the cameras in the fuck (laughs) house. And it is uh, on, I'm just going to keep saying fuck house. It's funny. It's very funny. That's what they described it as.
0: (laughs) It's a fuck house.
1: <laughs> and they're they're watching the sex tape on this like super shitty 90s computer monitor which is part of the reason probably the best one paid. they had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and there's a sticker on it that says gun handling techniques shown on screen can get you dead and i i honestly was distracted i had to watch this scene again because i was trying to figure out what that sticker meant <laughs> <laughs> still dying. um yeah and they're and they're they're watching this sex tape and the 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 men are all being like, "Oh man, this is a sweet sex tape." Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, "Boy, it's a wonderful country, isn't it?" as one of them says even though they know that this was like <laughs> used for like rich men to have sex with like underage prostitutes. They literally say that like in the text and these cops are still getting like all horny, horny for the tape. <laughs> and and then we also get the big wait the the face is close enough to the screen freeze early csi enhance right here yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) enhance magnify (laughs) magnify and what do you know it is katrina's face on the sex tape and they go oh man we fucking got her we've got her now we just need someone to confirm because patrice had mentioned jade and said that she might have actually run into her once but she's not sure and they go to question her and they're like Uh, you need to meet me at this little diner. And I will say this is where Friedkin touch really makes a a really big difference Mm -hmm. in something like this. Because again, the writing is kind of incoherent, but (laughs) we know from other films that this is supposed to be sort of a meet and it starts to build in the actual suspense and intensity of it through the editing, watching her like walk across the park through some (laughs) like yoga, the the session that's that's going down. You
3: know, there's like Tai Chi happening. And every, there's like yeah. so many witnesses. Like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and he's, you know, Caruso sitting in the diner, sipping on his coffee, waiting for her to, you know, actually walk across the street. He can see her. He knows that she's safe, but then we get these sort of POV shots from inside a black car that are mm-hmm. kind of seeing her as she's walking across. And you're like, what's going to happen here? This is, this, this is just ominous tension is all, you know, yeah, no, maybe a crazy is actually going to happen here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and no she just gets fucking nailed by the car and, and you launched. see it I, yeah. she gets launched and, and
3: then see... driven over <laughs> like it's awful
1: and the, and yeah the so car the car 180s gross. and then runs directly over her body again and we get to see it on screen the dummy flatten yeah. and like it's day. a
3: pretty good looking dummy like, as far, yes. like it is far like it definitely like is pretty convincing
0: Especially and not as dumb as it one. sounds
3: to be described, but like it's very upsetting to watch.
0: Yeah, es- it is. Especially it's a the really first graphic one because the like she's just standing there. Whatever they use, I don't know if it was a stunt double on wires or an actual mannequin or something like that. But the body just flies, and not only does it uh, hit the street, but it hits a a window of a car that's parked, and it breaks, and then she falls down. Like it's a huge hit, and then they do the. Uh, they, they, the car. It's kind of like the POV of the car as it gets closer to her face, and then yeah. it cuts to the dummy thing. And it's just like the amount of detail that Free includes in this hit and run is unbelievable and it's just so like i was shocked my mouth just went wide open you know yeah hands it was covered. definitely
1: between the two uh, films it was the moment where i went what the hell yeah like that is not supposed
0: to happen and then it kicks <laughs> um, this awesome chase scene into into gear and uh yeah and, it's and amazing and he, and
1: he does another full like 10 minute long car chase i couldn't yep. believe
0: it i was in, like, in a 90, 90 minute movie. <laughs> There's four yeah. different locations on this thing. It's like first they do the uh the the streets where it's just kind of like the over the hill again. They go back over those same hills where the cars are right. just like watching be, 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 them. Because he gets
1: to do he gets to do the actual bullet sequence where you get right. to see the parts of the cars because he couldn't stop himself. He was like <laughs> I did I I went down the bullet street, but I didn't get to do the part where they like, you know, they actually like get air for like 5 seconds yeah, they because they're driving in and out so fast. Of traffic. Yeah, he was like, I didn't get to do that, so now I have to do another scene just so I can do that part. But then, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, they briefly there's like an off-roading on like a grassy knoll part, and then they get stuck in traffic, and there's this really tense part where where Caruso's like getting out of the car and trying to like see, you know, where the guy is going to turn because, you know, there's so much traffic ahead and to the side of them, which makes them drive through a literal Chinatown parade where there's like POV shots of them like running people over and like leaving bloody bodies in the street. And (laughs) and some (laughs) of the,
0: like, and the people that are surrounding them as they're trying to get in between people, they start kicking and punching the car. So you get POV shots of inside the car and people just trying to stop it. Um, you get like because they have those. I hope awesome, those people are okay. Yeah, because we real. know that Friedkin films this. No, stuff he no learned
3: stuff. his lesson. He like he <laughs> did it, he? Yeah, no, no. When you like listen to him describe the chase scene for To Live and Die in L.A., he's like, I know what a permit is now, and I take safety very seriously. Um, <laughs> and I, I believe him. He like is actually quite contrite about um, okay. how he films well, stuff well,
1: well, in The French Connection. Well, that's good because this this still felt really dangerous watching it. Yeah, um, it, and I
0: love that it slows down too at the very end of the parade sequence uh, because they're trying to weave through so many people they can't, they, they have to stop because they can't really just plow through. Even the bad guy isn't doing it. Like he's hitting people, but he's not plowing through. So I just love that it becomes almost a slow chase for a, for a moment. And it, and there's a lot of tension that's built in that um, until eventually they get to a bridge that leads to the dock Uh, And then it even slows down again where Carosa is kind of like looking around seeing if he's in the warehouses anywhere and he just stops. And then out of nowhere, he gets T-boned by the, the guy. Bird, just and the, whole car, him, yeah. the whole car just <laughs> takes air and goes right into the lake. It's such an amazing sequence. It really is. It's incredible. Yeah, and
3: then cruza survives, and everyone who's on the docks is like, You good? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. They're literally like, Man, you fucked up.
1: Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. like
3: literally the line is like, Man, you're in you're in a real pickle, huh? <laughs>
1: And he's like, why I is know. the assistant DA even getting into car chases like this? It's so dumb. <laughs> right. Yeah. For real.
3: I think it's just Esther has doesn't know how cops work. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that that stuff's very ridiculous. I also find it very funny that just with the way that this movie works, and we'll talk about it when we get <laughs> to the actual reveal and, and, and everything. It's um we're just, is about you know,
3: vibes just driving it's, that it's, car. It's not about plot, it's just vibes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true. I guess we don't. You I guess find it's out assumed that, like,
3: to be uh, Matt. I guess.
0: I, I think it's supposed but, to be. A, yeah, I think, I think
1: that's the assumption we're supposed to get. But she says n- she was the one who was driving the car that day. so see, it's I just, thought it's so
0: weird. I thought it was actually um, Matt that killed one. See, this is where it's going to get confusing. I thought it was Matt oh, that killed just one of the um, uh, the major players, like the one of the major politicians. But I thought it was the mustache man that you find out at the end that (laughs) killed the redhead. So now I'm all like, I have no fucking idea.
3: (laughs) I mean, I also just don't think it matters. (laughs) Oh,
0: it does. not when you're watching this, like you're just you do kind of let the the details of the story just wash over you and and enjoy what three appreciators
3: of of Fulci who are just like, "Uh, vibes are enough for me. Thanks. I'll dine out on these vibes. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. It definitely is one of those movies for sure. Yeah, it, if you are coming it feels to this like procedural
3: watching... cop movie for plot points, like too bad. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, you are not going to crack the case. That's for sure. No, so, <laughs> it's it's definitely feels like a movie that feels like it had an extra fifteen to twenty minutes that you never saw. Um, I, it still works in, in a weird way, being so incoherent, but I do feel that as I am as I am watching it.
1: Yeah, I mean it it definitely gets into the the confused mindset of Caruso who's just walked (laughs) into this. Who's a DA on
3: a cop case who's like, I don't actually know what I'm doing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm not supposed to be doing any of this. I don't really understand how this web of conspiracy (laughs) works. Um, but lots of bodies are turning up very graphically. (laughs) And the the imagery is very graphic, I'll say. There's like there's an image in here of like the full frontal uh corpse of oh, the yeah. of of the, the Patrice the, yeah. pa- the Patrice character which is really gross and then there's a part later where um one of the the, the guy who actually I think he goes to for information about the beachside fuckhouse <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: yeah
1: <laughs> um and he he ends up getting like a spear through the eye that oh, you yeah. can like see like all his brain mush sticking out and everything like that <laughs> yeah yeah which is uh which is really gross and you know this is while he's like you know literally showing Matt and Katrina you know they're, they're they're showing everything. They were like, look, we've got her prints on the weapon, on the murder weapon. She has no alibi. We've got the tape that says that she was part of this underground sex ring. She was driving the Thunderbird that murdered Patrice on the day. <laughs> like, everything is stacking up against her, which is when I started to get confused because um, mostly because I, I know that these movies operate on the red herring thing. So yeah. I was going, man, they have really stacked this against her. How is she going to get out of it? <laughs> right, right. And the yeah. answer uh
3: we don't care <laughs> so I, I, I
1: thought i thought someone was like framing her or something at a certain point i was like what's going on um and uh yeah they they show her the tape of her in like the dominatrix outfit like having sex and being like i think that uh she had an uncontrollable urge coupled with hysterical <laughs> blindness uh, on this tape that i can see <laughs> um And then eventually at that point, I think that's when they make him recuse himself. Like they didn't make him recuse himself the entire time until they go, okay, look, the two people we're investigating are your childhood friends. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so you need, you need to leave, which is then followed by a scene where like Katrina tries to like seduce him. Mm -hmm. Um, to, to kind of get, get his help. And she, she makes her big speech where she kind of, you know, she gets to, to play with the red herring a little bit and to be like, you know, I actually, I did lie. I was involved in the sex work, but it was like consensual. Like I, I wanted to be there. I lost track of how many men, but it was just because I liked it and I was in control. And you know, she thought it was a, a fun, safe way to exert her sexual power uh, working for Jeffrey Epstein, <laughs> essentially, uh, she was like that, that. That just seemed like a really great place to express myself. And, <laughs> I'm just an art. Get away, f- yeah, <laughs> and get away from my husband. Um, and then she tries to have sex with him. Uh, but something's changed and he goes, uh, everything's changed. You're a murderer. And she's so (laughs) offended that she would, that he would think that, uh, she murdered someone with all of the overt evidence stacking against her and she just (laughs) cries and slaps him and then runs away. And, uh, that's when she finds the, uh, that's when they find the body and they go okay well she couldn't have killed this guy because she was trying to seduce david caruso so it doesn't make sense she couldn't have taken that body out and that's also when she does the gets the montage of her trying to go back to her sex work and it not it not uh, appealing as much anymore which I, I i do think is not her sort of like regretting the entire I think thing it's just caruso
3: like, got in her head or something
1: yeah i I, th- I think it's literally like she's just like wow i i do this and because i do this caruso thinks that i'm like a you know this violent murderer now and i think right. that, that kind of uh you know fucks with her head a little bit do um, you do the images are creepy though the way that Friedkin shoots them with the you know with her with the heel on stepping on the dude's dick yeah it's the music <laughs> and uh, her, her not being able to breathe with like the pantyhose like on her head and everything like that and you know she ends up basically beating the guy to get her get him off of her and everything like that her uh, her, her liberation has definitely been ruined by Crusoe uh, a little bit in that moment but now he goes wait she didn't kill this guy. So maybe she's going to be killed next. Now she's in danger. And this is where the movie got like a little fast for me where I was kind <laughs> of oh, like, yeah. I was, I was kind of expecting either an additional half hour of a climax. It reminded me, I don't know if it did to you, uh, Jamie, it reminded me a little bit of the same issue I had with, uh, Larry Cohen's perfect strangers, which we oh, recently did on, oh, yeah, that is on a the
3: poll. Yes. Yeah. I
1: agree. Because, because the, the entire mystery of that, And not even really that mystery, it's kind of done with dramatic irony rather than mystery uh, in that film where you kind of know this relationship that's been developing between those two characters, which is, you know, that he he is, you know, has to kill her son because her son saw him commit a murder. And we kind of spent a good portion of that being like, oh, wait, she never finds out that he's the guy who's threatening her safety until like
0: the very end
1: two or three minutes until the credits hit yeah yeah <laughs> and, and so you you don't get to see the characters on screen wrestle with the complicated sort of implications of where the story goes right and i felt the same thing kind of here even though it was again it was kind of stylishly rendered where you get kind of like this sort of the blue lighting and the silhouetted killer and all that yeah, I, I liked that. It was it was very sort of like '90s music video styled shootout. Right, out and it like struggle me, in a dirty
0: attic. It reminded <laughs> me of kind of like Tony Scott, where he would use that blue lighting and yeah. hunger and stuff like that. Yeah, it was cool. It, it, it's it's it does feel a little left field, but it, it's it's effective, and I still enjoyed it. Yeah, just like the black glove
1: giallo thing of rummaging through all of the papers and the moonlit yeah. windy curtains and the the floating Dutch angle tracking shots it's of her in like. All all you can hear is her healed footsteps walking through and there's like a huge close-up on her eyes as the phone rings and like like you know, he is successfully really building tension. You're just kind of like the why? detail for why this tension exists. Every is compliment just like being paid towards This
3: phone feels like a dig against
2: disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I well, I, I will say one is very stylish and one is is very not stylish, and yeah. I, I think that that was like, something that yeah, uh, no, exactly. com, comes into the equation. Um, <laughs> but they, I, I, I am still saying though, definitely though, you are wondering <laughs> at a certain point, like. About why this is as suspenseful as it is. I mean, you know that she's in danger, but you don't right. know exactly how or why. Like none of the. No, you, you're missing she's a She's still the number one suspect of the, puzzle, of the film. For sure. Like it doesn't, well, it doesn't quite. <laughs> this is funny.
0: The guy that ends up being the. One, at least one of them, I guess, the killer with the mustache, one of the cops. He actually yeah, yeah. is on record. I uh, just read it on the wiki, but he's on record saying, "I had no idea that I was the bad guy until we did the reading, <laughs> and and it all came to like came into place after that." So he he felt like he had no fucking clue what he was doing until he started ki- trying to kill her. So it, it's yeah, it's it's a it was apparent to even some of the actors on the on the film. So. Yeah,
1: because it it ends up being like one of the dirty cops, and then also Holt's character, who is playing the governor's assistant, right. and they're it's it's sort of unclear whether exactly they are there for the same reasons. Because Holt is obviously there to just find the camera negatives of the just compromise. like a meeting Photos. of the goons,
3: like all the goons show up from their various <laughs> all the rooms.
1: goons right. just <laughs> get together one night and they're like, we're gonna fucking kill this woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: They do the like Spider-Man pointing meme, and then they're like, okay. same object
1: (laughs) yeah so the the scene is 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 quite stylish and suspenseful but then it just kind of you know it has they have the sort of you know the shootout moment they have the kind of fight and the struggle moment and none of it is quite as like thrilling and nasty as like William Peterson getting shotgunned in the face as like to live and die in LA like I I, I, I could start (laughs) I could start to see where the missing footage might've been when we hit this sequence. Cause mm-hmm. I felt like there was so many characters who hit here that had to have been trimmed in the edit at some point to like, you know, you don't comp- like the only hint that we have of any of this is the mustache detective and <laughs> Holt like meeting <laughs> outside at one point and he's like I'm on to you I see I see you meeting with the governor's assistant and like that's the only hint in the entire movie that any of this and you still don't exactly know why the mustached
0: guy was involved or I don't know his motivation really besides like I don't know. He's into that. I have no idea.
3: <laughs> like I think, if you were to try and plot out this film on like a corkboard with red string, I don't actually think it would all make sense. Like I think, I think yeah, truly... there'd
0: be some hanging strings for sure. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, is that
1: I feel like I I went with the movie for a really long time because the vibe of the mystery was so confident. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And that and that and the it, it wasn't until this yeah. sequence where I went. Wait what?
3: <laughs> so William right. freaking's big scam where he just yes hands himself into a corner and he's like, uh, ta da! <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: it
1: looks good though, right? <laughs> literally, <laughs> yeah. literally, there's only like five minutes left when this happens. It was the same reaction I had to Perfect Strangers where I went, holy shit! There should be like an entire climax where these characters realize these reveals. Yeah, this sounds like, like missing an act. <laughs> we need an extra actually 15, like at least. confront each other about it or any uh, or anything. But no, it's just like okay. Um, the the governor uh, claims that the men were acting on their own out of misplaced loyalty it, it's, <laughs> it's a tragedy when law enforcement goes bad he says that you know <laughs> saying that yes they were cleaning up his ship but he knew nothing about it Caruso kind of threatens him and says you know if you ever try to target her because you think your reputation is going to get ruined by her that I'm gonna like you know uh, I'm gonna basically I'm going to fuck you up. I'm going to, I'm going to reveal it all. And he even threatens him. Even when he says that, he's like, you know, what if something happens to you and you couldn't reveal it, you know, like, that of thing. um, <laughs> Not a just kind of throws it in there at the last minute there, there's so much for being like the last scene with those two characters there's just there's very little closure in that moment it's like there's again a whole nother section of the movie that should have continued after that um where they had a final set piece at like the governor's house or something I'm are not you sure. saying that you're
3: dissing the closure of this film
0: or <laughs> i was trying to make a disclosure oh, <laughs> i'm so oh, sorry oh. <laughs> Heyo! No, it works. I'm like never it.
3: getting invited back. <laughs> <laughs> no way! I love a good fun. <laughs> uh,
1: Jamie, Jamie says that kind of stuff all the time. Okay, I'm great. We're yeah. unionized, we now. we can't of us. <laughs> it fits right in. <laughs> <laughs> we have fun. But this, this, this finale was the truly baffling part because <laughs> we're finally here. Whereas there. Katrina is getting ready for like another ball that they're going to go to, I guess, because that's what you do after this situation that they've just been in. Um, And she finds a bunch of photos of her basically fucking like every powerful man in the state. And then the husband, Matt, is opening the drawer and it reveals that he has a missing anchor cufflink, which is something that David Crusoe saw at the scene. And he, on some level, he kind of, Knows it was his. I mean, the way that they build it in the detail, I actually thought that it was like David Caruso's at one point. And there's there's like a part in the filmmaking even where they they sort of imply that maybe he was dissociating and he was the one who killed him because they, they like actually superimpose the POV shots of who, of the killer, like onto David Crusoe's face and everything. And I was like, I don't know if they're just, if this is like an accidental thing that they <laughs> ended up, but they, they're kind of implying that David Crusoe was the killer, but no, it was Matt. It was the husband, um, who apparently killed, this rich guy to protect her when he found out that you know she was involved in this you know very dangerous uh, sex ring but then also he was very intrigued by her sexually and he got turned on by the tape which is a sort of something they mentioned earlier in the film as well and he his his line is next time we make love you introduce me to
3: Jade (laughs) like truly such a depressing gross ending like I feel so bad for her
0: (laughs) and then the mystical music plays and everything and you just feel disgusting.
3: <laughs> yeah. Mission accomplished. Thank you, Mr. Freakin.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I, and 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 my only response to go was, man, like that feels like the climactic reveal that then there's a set piece after where Caruso and Katrina yeah. have to deal with this big betrayal and they have to, you know, and but no, it's just it is a very downbeat Ending, um, where you know this the second personality that she's formed of liberation from being, you know, uh, as a result of her husband, and to to kind of leave him in a way is now being controlled by her own violent husband, and you know, it, it's a, yeah. it's a very dark thought, and the ending. You know, it might have worked in a movie where it felt like it was building to that ending, but it doesn't feel like it's building to that ending. It feels like it honestly just comes out of nowhere. There's not enough Um, between
0: her and Matt, I find, for that to work as well as it should. Yeah. mm -hmm. Um, It does remind me, though, of a funny scene where I don't think it's supposed to be funny. It actually is the same scene where (laughs) the girls being interrogated and he's doing the the target practice in the other room. But David comes Mm -hmm. in and it's the redhead describing like how the men thought of Jade. And she's saying just stuff like uh, she, she'd do things that no other woman would do. Uh, and then like, the music is playing and David Caruso's kind of intrigued and interested. And I just <laughs> thought it was funny that they don't. I guess they do do one shot where uh, she like crushes a guy's balls or whatever but uh, like uh, until the very end you don't see anything beyond like doggy style and I just thought that that was kind of funny that they it's the craziest
3: thing Joe Esther has can come <laughs> that's what
0: I mean yeah like she, she was like she'll do things no one else will do and then it's just like another position I just thought that that was very funny <laughs>
1: um, yeah we, we haven't we haven't talked about it yet but it re- reminded me of last night in Soho oh, which we're just watched. we going to talk about it on the bonus transmission at some point oh, and I don't know if you've seen it Meg but I there's have a part last of
2: oh
3: no last night in so-so last night in yeah
1: there's there's a part in that movie where it's like some meant to be like the most disgusting filthy place in the universe and it's like a bunch of girls with like in like you know with with cleavage in like little dress-up outfits and i was like yeah this is it's very funny that this is what edgar wright views as like uh totally perverse yeah, his his sex pest dungeon is like a woman doing like a like a, a very soft core striptease show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I got the same vibe out of this where it, like it it really doesn't go to that you know extreme that you know uh, uh, once again a Palma of Verho- Verhoeven would have gone to even though Friedkin does have the style to back it up. It's just again you can only style this material <laughs> to a certain point. Right. Where, you know, it it actually is is effective because he definitely makes it more effective than it should be, which is <laughs> yeah. why you know maybe as we pivot to reductive rating round, this one I did prefer to disclosure. But honestly, yeah, I wouldn't. I even can't say, tell you like, how
3: much of a win this is for me, the champion of Jade. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, for 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 me, this was a solid to uh, maybe even a even a high three. For Whoa! Me <laughs> I, oh yeah, I I did. Uh, Until I was literally just confused by the last (laughs) I want to say honestly it's like five to ten minutes of the movie tops where I was kind of like oh I don't really know didn't really feel like this is where we were going but beyond that. I honestly had a joy with most of the stuff building up to that. Everything that Friedkin was directing, he was directing the absolute shit out of. Mm -hmm. Um, I was consistently shocked with the amount of uh, style and gruesome detail to this with like the woman getting nailed with the the car twice in graphic (laughs) detail was was crazy. The whole Chinatown car chase shit, the, the multiple murders that are on screen are like, strung up corpses murdered with museum objects and like brain mush sticking out and the the, the sex pest den called the fuckhouse. <laughs> um Linda stepping on a dude's dick and balls with her heels. Um like I was like, all of this stuff is really working for me. I just feel like this does feel like there is 10 to 15 minutes of a movie cut. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know if it would necessarily make more sense because some of the writing just doesn't make sense in general, I feel like, but if there is, and if someone can track it down, because the, yes. there is apparently an out-of-print VHS copy. If someone could find that and send that to us, it, it would be like finding the Event Horizon <laughs> copy <laughs> of the movie that that should exist. And if that comes out, and it does make even a little bit more sense, and maybe even twists the ending around a little bit, or does something a little bit more interesting with it, I feel like I would have really liked this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even, I, I do got to say, even despite being confused, because it has <laughs> such a consistent tone and mood, the, the ridiculous qualities that confused me, rather than just being kind of like confused in an annoyed way like I was with Disclosure, th- th- I was confused in more of a fun way um, yeah. in this. Um, so yeah, definitely a, a, at least a solid three for me.
0: Yeah, mine, uh, it, it's, it's a three as well. It is a stronger three than Disclosure. Um, this does have just freaking all over it, and that's really what I think the big sell is. He, he's just going total freak mode in this, uh, and and I and I really love it. It's it's he's great. freaking. Oh, he's freaking as, as you said, yes, right? My review yeah. is freaking be freaking absolutely, and he is man. man. Like I, again, the that one shot I found uh, it kind of reminded me. Isn't there a shot in um, to is it to live and die in uh, L.A. Or no, I'm sorry, I'm getting it confused with not not that. I'm getting it confused with Manhunter. There's a shot where the guy has uh, the pantyhose over his like face, oh, right?
1: Yeah. Right, that, yeah, yeah. That
0: did remind me of that just one shot they have in the when she's having sex with one of the governors and she's got the the pantyhose over her face. It just shot me back to that scene in Manhunter, which I just kind of found interesting. You guys know um, the incredible
3: yeah. fact about um, the Manhunter Hannibal Lecter casting, right? That goes back to Freakin.
0: Oh uh, that, no, no. that
3: Michael Michael Mann wanted to cast William Freakin as Hannibal Lecter?
0: Oh wow. Like, <laughs> I like I very I don't think we might
3: have
1: actually mentioned that on the show but I didn't remember that. Yeah, oh,
3: like like Michael wild. Mann was like you're the you're the craziest boy I know. Please please be my psycho. <laughs> 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 and, and, and William Freakin was like, "Nah dog." Like, Mann okay. was like, "I need a
1: crazy ass white boy." <laughs>
3: like pretty much. And the other thing is like I would watch the shit out of that. Like it's great. That's
1: <laughs> such a good oh, casting yeah. decision.
0: yeah. Yeah. Anyway. That would have been unreal, but yeah. It, yeah. Um, and so, beyond, like, the, your
3: your connection does make sense.
0: <laughs> awesome. Oh <Hell> yeah. <laughs> the uh, and, and yeah, it this movie is pretty incoherent, but it's uh, it's just got such style, and it really does move. I mean, the thing's ninety minutes. It probably would benefit from being an extra 15, 20 minutes longer, but um, I, I still get a. So kick your out one of critique of is that
3: Jade should be longer.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. Yes. <laughs> I want I want it to be fleshed out even more. Um, yeah, I do we, think- we, we want that extra 15
1: minutes that push the extremity a little bit right. and maybe clean up that finale a little bit with, <laughs> without getting to the reveals so quickly. Yeah, if that exists, this would be a great movie.
0: Yeah, I really I just wanted more like especially with that ending, I think uh, fleshing out Matt and Katrina's relationship definitely would have been something to do. so that ending works a little better. Also <laughs> uh, dealing with her uh, personal psychology, I think would have been more interesting. they They brush over that a lot. So, yeah, th- there's just yeah, a they, lot they, of stuff. They, they make her a,
1: a red herring enigma for, for a, a very much longer than they probably should have. She should have just been included in the climax a little bit more.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but, yeah, no, a lot no of silent stuff. <laughs> and uh, I still had a lot of fun. So this will be like a, I guess, a, yeah, three to strong three. It's got to be, it's better than Disclosure. That's for sure. But um, I enjoyed <laughs> both. So For you, Meg.
3: Oh, Enthusiastic Three. Yeah. And a huge yes. W yeah. for me that you both... Uh, like it in your biggest
1: critique <laughs> is that it's too short. LES <laughs> <Like, Hell yeah. laughs>
3: um yeah no I mean what uh, we're here Freakin's for. like
1: that's how that's how I knew you picked the right movies. Yes. Uh
3: freakin Freakin is uh, you know, uh one of our best living directors. Even at his quote unquote worst, he still runs circles around everybody else. So Oh yeah. That's that's just how it be. So anyway, Jade Enthusiastic yeah. Three. Five, five, oh, three, yeah. three fuckhouses houses out of five. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hell yeah. I love seeing those, uh, steady cam maneuvers and the, the quick flash cuts and the Dutch angles, yeah. very violent. I, 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 am stoked that Friedkin is stoked about this movie and he thinks it's his best movie. Yeah, yeah that's great. awesome. He, I love that. He,
3: yeah. It's, I, I can't remember, it, there's a documentary a biography about his, his, uh, his career and he's like spends most of it on a couch surrounded by like stuffed animals and just like talks about, his work and the part where he's like, "Yeah, Jade," like no one really liked that, but it's the best thing I've ever made. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's such a oh, that's such a good cool move. I love it.
3: I know. Yeah, on it, honestly, I think more directors should find their like ugly duckling film and be like, "Well, that is my my best movie," and then
1: <laughs> see what happens. Hell yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Well, I think that that will wrap it up for this week's episode. That was Disclosure from 1994 and Jade from 1995. Thanks so much, Meg, for joining us and for bringing these films. I can tell you had a blast oh, thank um, you. making us watch these.
3: Yeah. No, It. Um. Uh, I am sorry, but also I'm not sorry.
0: <laughs> hey, feel free to come and challenge us again.
3: Oh, God. Yeah, we will. We Don't will, we will take that. whatever you can
0: come up <laughs> with. Oh, I, I want it to happen. Oh, God. I'm ready. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Um, But Meg, if you've got anything uh, to plug while you're here, this is usually where we have you do that, even if it's just your writing and your Twitter and stuff.
3: Yeah, you can find me over at Film School Rejects. If you see anything freaky on One Perfect Shot, that might be me. Um, And uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at TheWorstNone. Uh, I am upset that my handle is the worst nun, and I have not yet found a screener of Benedetta. I am <laughs> trying to figure that out. <laughs> I should be on the
2: list.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna whisper this, but yes. uh, talk to us after. Oh, yes. Gotcha. Okay. We might got the stuff. Hell yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I can definitely recommend checking out uh, Meg's Twitter and checking out her writing. She likes a lot of the same uh, really grotesque stuff that we do, mm-hmm. as indicated by the show. This is probably the one show ever that will give Jade a unanimously positive <laughs> review um, I challenge someone to find another podcast that's done that um, that's winning. Let us know. winning over here um, <laughs> uh, but, but but for our listeners we are going to be back in one week's time um, over on the Patreon where we are going to be talking about we're going to be going a little bit less nasty <laughs> we're going to be talking about one West Side story
2: oh my god <laughs> mode. let's do
1: it yeah, we're going to talk about West Side Story in, in tandem with, uh, I believe, the release of, of Steven Spielberg's remake that's coming out. But mostly, honestly, we're doing this episode because I really want to pair it with a movie I watched early on during the pandemic doing my uh, Abel Ferrera watch, uh, China Girl. Yeah. Which is a, a really cool, underrated Abel Ferrera film that I don't see very many people talk about. And it is literally Ferreira basically taking the exact plot of West Side Story. Um, And instead of making it a musical, he just made it into like a 90 minute sort of (laughs) gangster crime family Romeo and Juliet type situation in Chinatown. And I'm
0: sure it's sad Um, as fuck going Abel Ferreira. (laughs) Yes,
1: and it, and it, it, it connected uh, very well, actually, to Jade, because it also has <laughs> David Caruso hanging around yes. in Chinatown in an 80s crime flick. Um, we're going to fight for Caruso um, on this perfect show. perfect
3: segue. We're going to pull <laughs> yes. him and Peterson out of TV retirement. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: So that's what we're going to be talking about uh, next week in the bonus episode, and then the week after, uh, for the main feed, we're going to be talking about, one, a movie called The Sentinel directed by michael winner uh, <laughs> okay well that's good to know because i i haven't seen that one all i know is that it's michael winner trying to do some sort of like possible polanski style film interesting um so i'll be curious and then the other film is the changeling oh which same. one um, the original
3: oh you old canadian that was shot in vancouver
1: Yes, I have a feeling that it was partially picked due to some of the winter vibes of it uh, mm. moving into uh, the the rest of December here. Nice. So, yeah, that's going to be the the episode that's going to be the episode right before Christmas. So the changeling is how we're getting into the Christmas spirit. Hell yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, with with uh, the changeling and exorcist three, uh, Jersey Scott is like the king, the elder statesman of Christmas horror.
0: Um, he's so good. I love it. Yeah, him. I'm pick. very excited to watch more George C. Scott. Him freaking out um, is always fun. Just getting angry, I love it. <laughs> and he, and he's cold. He's cold and he's angry. Yeah, it's gonna be an awesome <laughs> performance, man. He's yeah. not even warm and cozy. Let's do this. Yeah,
1: yeah. All right, but yeah, that's what you guys can expect in uh, two weeks' time. And yeah, that wraps it up for everything this week. Thanks so much for listening, and keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy.